Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 26 of Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. There have been guesses all across the internet. Some of you may have predicted correctly. We've seen the name thrown around a ton, but I'm proud to introduce my co-host to Defining Duke, Lord Cognito. Cog, welcome to the show, man. Lord Maddie, I'm in the realm of the Dukes right now, man. Good to be here. Fun to see all the speculation. And yeah, uh, yeah man, let, let, let's do it. Let's have some fun out here, man. I'm beyond excited about this. Of course, I have a ton to say, but more than anything, I want to emphasize that for those who are unfamiliar with COG, we've delayed our episode of Defining Duke Ultimate for the week to do a Get to Know COG episode. So for those who are unfamiliar with this work, which we're going to get into a little bit, uh, he'll be sitting down for an episode of Defining Duke Ultimate, doing a Q&A with a patron post that's going live right after the Patreon version of this show hits your feed. So be sure to get in there, post your questions, uh, get to know COG as much as possible. But COG, you were number one on my list right when we started making that transition. I was telling everybody, I was like, he's number one on my list. I was like, this is the man I want. I know he's suited for the job. And I'm thrilled that you were like, yeah, let's do this, man. So Cog's gonna be my co-pilot for the rest of this show. You're stuck with me, brother. Hope you hope you end <laughs> up uh, enjoying this choice. Let's build, bro. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about our future. I think our trajectory is strong, and I want to thank the audience real quick, uh, just for their patience. Uh, you know, because essentially we were we were talking behind the scenes, saying this is sort of like episode one A for us. Um, while we're 26 episodes deep now, you know, it's almost like hitting the restart button when you pivot co-hosts and and you start to to figure things out once again we start to develop that rapport which is definitely there we've done shows together in the past but you know i just wanted to say thank you again to the audience you all were kind caring supportive excited for whoever i brought on and not only that but just a shout out to the trust that was given to me i don't give myself a lot of credit ever um just because i like to keep myself humble but i was really shocked about the amount of people who we're writing in saying like whoever Maddie picks, like he's got it handled. So just thank you for your trust for, for real. Thank you for your trust. And uh, we're going to definitely make sure that trust is worthwhile as we're going to put together what I want to make. You know, my goal when I put this together with Colin and Dustin originally and Carrick was I wanted to make the best Xbox show possible. Like I wanted us to be the number one show, not to, to get too competitive, but just I want us to make a really dominant show where it's easy to recommend and that you're going to get everything you need once the episode's done for your week when it comes to Xbox, PC, and general gaming news. Uh, but that's enough from me. Cog, once again, how are you doing, my friend? Are you excited? 
Yeah, bro, I'm excited, man. I'm, 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 I'm hype. I'm ready, man. Listen, man. I was looking up lordship from lord to a duke and which one's high. Like, I was getting into it, man. I was getting into all the theology of it. But, but as far as gaming, man, yeah, like, this is this is a pretty exciting opportunity. You know, I love what, what you built and stuff like that. And obviously, salute Carrick and stuff like that as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when, when I got the call, when it was like, a, you know, the draft pick. You know, you got your name <laughs> quick called and, you, you know, I was about to put on my fresh suit. I'm like, I'm trying to meet the commissioner I'm shaking hands I'm like where do I go so I'm excited man and you know it's a lot to talk about in the gaming sphere we got so much going mm -hmm. on I am just pumped but again gracious and thanks for the opportunity I love what you you guys have built thank you man uh, and we're excited because you, you picked a great week to join up man I mean we got we got a lot of good news to get into some bad but a lot of exciting interesting news so for those of you who want to support this show keep food on cognized table Go ahead, join up on the Patreon. Uh, that episode will hit free feeds on Thursdays. Um, or if you want to listen for free, you know certainly you've tolerated us enough. You can go ahead and do that. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, as well as YouTube video versions. We have you covered all across the board. Um, but now let's get into, as always, our warm-up questions. So the first one comes from Adrian Pinter. Of course, we kept Cog's identity a secret so we could show and tell. So all these questions are going to either just be directed at me, but of course it'll be for Cog as well, or it'll say like new host, mysterious stranger. They came up with all manner name for you, man. <laughs> so Adrian Pinter says, hello, Maddie and the new host. This one's for the new guy. What's your opinion on five guys? If it's not your favorite burger, what's your favorite burger place? I swear to God, if you say Wendy's, I'm going to snap <laughs> signed Adrian Pinter. So we had a huge, huge fast food debate in the early <clears throat> parts of our show. We need to know what's your go-to burger spot, man. Wow. If you got one. You know what? I, I'm actually a fan of Five Guys. I, I oh, think Five no. Guys. Yeah, uh, I know. We're starting <laughs> off bad already. Oh, no. I need to <laughs> I find think, a new host. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that bad, man. I mean, I, I've had it before. You know, it, it's big in the city. Wendy's, I, I don't understand Wendy's hate, but okay, cool. But um, <laughs> besides that, I think I, I've had Fat Burger before. I thought that was pretty decent. Right. In-N-Out, I thought it was a little overrated, to be honest. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yeah, and, we're on um, the same page now. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> Shake Shack. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So I'm, I'm pretty basic, bro, with, with the burgers. I mean, as long as it's, I mean... I'm gonna say, look, I I don't I know Maddie ain't a fan, but I do like Five Guys. I, I think I think they're right. the shake game is okay, the burger is okay. I usually get my bacon cheeseburger. I'm usually good. But uh, what about you, man? Where where you have the burger scene? Well, see, here's the thing, right? Like, I'll go to a restaurant for a burger. And I know that sounds ridiculous, uh... but like Five Guys just serves these wet burgers, is what I say. They are literally wet. They're drenched, man. Like they come in the tin. Like you make tin foil soaking wet. I don't know how that's possible, but they do it, and it's just wild to me. Uh, and so I've tried, you know, your your. Uh, I've gone into a, a variety of different fast food burgers, like Wendy's, yes. Burger King. Yes. Last time I had Burger King, I vomited. That was oh, damn. that was uh, like six, seven years ago. So wow. you know, we haven't touched that since. <laughs> McDonald's. Um, mm -hmm. I was a big McDonald's kid in in high school, but yes. beyond that, you know, I, I was like you. You know, I, I you try a little bit of Shake Shack, or I mm -hmm. tried um, In and Out. In and Out was a big thing, right? I remember mm -hmm. hearing all about it on Twitter right. and. We went to San Francisco for a Far Cry 4 event. My, my boys were like, yo, we got to check out in and out yes. We go there. I felt sick, man. I think my body just rejects fast food. So that's why when I get my burger, I think I just need it cooked properly. You know, okay. I can name a million restaurants that just sell a good burger. And so that's that's where I, that's where I go to, man. If I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in the mood for one, I don't know if I'm going to get just general takeout. I wish I could, though, because sometimes right. you don't want to 
go through that effort. I want to give an honorable mention. It's, it's a New York City thing, but I don't know if you've ever been on um, Five Napkin Burger. It's that amazing. So that sounds so familiar. That is amazing. So that and that's kind of like restaurant style. That's a mm. that's really a restaurant chain. But yeah, they have a couple. They have a few in the city. So I would say probably that's one of the best that I've had. So you might want to try that one out, man. Mm. I'm in the city enough, so yeah. I'll get you. <laughs> you spots. and I link up. We'll get a Mets game. We'll get oh, a little five Yeah, I like Let's this. Let's go. All right. Let's go. <laughs> All right, number two comes from Max Gale. Do you believe that Xbox would invest in a big support studio branch? It seems like the studios that Microsoft is missing, but missing in quotes, is one of the remake slash porting style, but also a support studio. Do you think having a dedicated studio like Xbox Seattle or Xbox Boston would be a possible solution to have talent in-house that could help out when projects need an extra hand or two, or maybe even combine them like Sony Japan once was? You wouldn't have to worry about the years of buildup to get an engine and IP approved and running, rather helping out with other small studios I'm sorry, other studios can get some kind of return a lot faster and even have a small project on the side that's not on a time frame, but rather an in-between project like Banjo Remake, Conquer Remake, Viva Pinata Remake, Gears Trilogy Remastered. I can go all day. They have an in-house special team already, if I remember correctly, ATG, the Advanced Tech Group. So I may be expanding them to an in-house studio of Brains Over Brawn with a passion project of their own. So this is, I think, really riding on the coattails of some news we're going to get into. It's our first item on the list. Um, but that's really with what's going on with PlayStation and their recent acquisition. So we'll take a deeper dive into that soon. Um, but this is sort of, I think, a blind spot for Xbox as it stands, you know, between that and, and fighting games. And I've gone on fighting games long enough, so I'll, I'll spare the audience. But what do you think Xbox should do? You think they should start getting into the remakes and the ports like PlayStation's doing? And it seems to be a, a really popular thing now. It's a safe way, I think, to drive some strong sales. Do you think with all the IP they have lying around that they should do this? And the reason I ask is you, you look at what Playground's doing with Fable and what is happening with the initiative and Perfect Dark, and they're kind of doing that in their own way. I think it's just that they're not using the title remake, remaster. So what do you think of, of, of where they lie with the, the remake and porting style studios? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, to me, it's a, it's a philosophy difference. I know we'll get into all things on the PlayStation side, but you know, I remember um, when we had, I believe, Splash Damage on, and, and they were doing uh, Gears Tactics, and huge fan of that game. Mm -hmm. And you know, we know we found out their history was also prior to that more of a support role. This is all prior to them their acquisition with Tencent. But at the end of the day, I kind of like where Microsoft is from a from a diversity standpoint. I I, I don't like necessarily the just focus on blockbusters and helping out on that only. And I know some reports went out, you know, earlier I think Schreier had an article in reference to what was going on with Days Gone and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, the, the alleged, you know, they won't be afforded a sequel. And, you know, now they're going to be kind of a sports studio helping other things like Last of Us Remastered get across the finish line and all that other stuff. So part of me, when I look at situations like that, I, I just like the idea of, you know, each studio being able to work on their own specific project that they want to do. Because I feel you get the most passion out of the studio. Um, the last point I make, don't get me wrong, there's going to be times, like, for example, Halo Infinite. We know that's huge right now, right? right. They got to get across the finish line. We heard all the studios maybe pitching in to help out. I don't know whether it be Coalition or so on. So I'm okay in that role. You know, I, I don't mind. I'm not anti them having one. 
Mm-hmm. I just don't want the focus to go away from what they're doing as a as an Xbox Game Studio family, if you know what I mean. Right, right. Still have their own individual things because I think that gets a lot of passion out of the teams. What, what do you think, man? Yeah, I think what's happening, you touched on a perfect point, is I think these studios are so big that you are correct. It has been said before that the coalition is helping out with 343, where the coalition's so big that they are working on what we assume is the next chapter of Gears on Unreal Engine 5. And then they have a part of the studio helping out with uh, Halo Infinite on 343. And then you look at the Bethesda acquisition, you've got these kind of quiet studios like Alpha Dog. Uh, there's Roundhouse, which I think Roundhouse will work on their own game, but these are quiet studios that supported Bethesda in general, and now they can work to... I mean, Bethesda Game Studios Austin was even originally a, a support studio for, for some time, and then they rose up, and now they're the ones working on 76 primarily, and they've done a great job sort of handling it, bringing it back down to earth after a pretty rough launch. So, the way Xbox has sort of formed their studios where they, they have so many employees but also um what they have inherited i think is almost given them that support style studio they just don't have a name it's like well uh, what can bethesda game studios who has 400 employees now can we take like 30 of these people and put them on something you know and so i think that's what's happening is is you're seeing that consistently we we've even once again we've seen it within bethesda where when they were acquired by xbox they highlighted and i always like to bring this up because it's just a good sign of how things work um, that Tango Gameworks made an enemy for Doom Eternal. And right. so you look at something like that, and I, I think it's already pretty established within Xbox. And while I would not be against it, just like Kai, I would not be against them having a, a remake type of studio that's just tackling these these demanded, like a Conquer remake. I know people would lose their mind for a Banjo remake, especially. Yeah. I would love to see them do that stuff. But in a way, they're sort of already doing that. And I like that they handle it with care. We we uh we talk a well, we'll talk a little bit about Killer Instinct, but they're looking at bringing that back. And I like that they're not just rushing it because of the IP, trying to find the right match. So Absolutely. I'd rather them take their time and approach it with care, in a time period where we're just seeing remake remakes remasters just jam down our throats. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. Let's go. Cody Richter number three. Hey Dukes, do you guys see a potential for Game Pass to lean into more game previews and early access titles? They already have a few titles as game previews with Grounded and Second Extinction, but what's the possibility they dive deeper into this concept? Last week, you guys, this was myself and Ben, discussed how some games launched day one on Game Pass in a broken or incomplete state. Uh, that was in reference to the status of Outriders, by the way, when it launched with you know, the inventory bugs, and then, of course, uh, Dark Alliance being the more obvious one. Mm-hmm. What if they launch these games in an early access state on Game Pass and then pull them when the full game launches? They could allow players who participate in the early access to purchase the game at a discount when it launches or find other incentives for the participants. Curious to see where you stand on this idea. So, Cog... You know, this is a, a discussion I had on my channel. I talked a little bit about on Defining Duke as well to, to pick Ben's brain on it. I want to know where do you stand on the on the quality of, by the way, with Game Pass's library being so expansive, most of these are strong games that work fine. But what do you where do you stand on the ones that are coming in a little lackluster, a little right. less functioning, we'll say? Yeah, like you have some strong points on this, man. I was, I was, I was looking at the Twitter feed, bro. I was like, I was, you, you in your bag with this one, man. I mean, I'll look, take it. I, I, I'm kind of with you on it, man, because it's like you, you want to be careful, man. You want to be, you know, 
Game Pass has a plethora of titles, right? A lot of them are extremely quality. I'm not going to sit here and try to poo-poo that. But, you know, game preview, not that I'm against it, but I think if we start to culture that as the way to kind of put games in a beta state, so to speak, and then it's up to, you know, the community to give feedback, I don't necessarily want to associate that with Game Pass. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I want it to be this pristine brand, this pristine service that, you know, you're getting these quality finished games. And, um, I mean, I, I've been messing with Game Preview for a while. I remember... Um, what was it? The Long Dark was one of the first ones oh, I used to play. Wow, yeah. I was like a little winter survival game. I liked it. You know, I didn't have any problem giving feedback, but I almost want a separation as opposed to it being, you know, in Game Pass. Because I, I do worry that as, you know, the service gets bigger. And, and I mean, I know Phil and, and, and the company have said that there is a, a an individual process for everyone as far as getting into Game Pass, right? Mm -hmm. But... You know, I, I just don't want it to be the, okay, we going to drop our beta and our alphas in here and, you know, right. you guys test it out. So I think it's a perception thing. And, and that's, what, that's where I stand on it. So I'm not really the biggest fan of making this that kind of a service. But, you know, yeah. wh where are you at? Where are you at with this? I, I agree with you because here's the thing is with, with game preview, I, I'm going to sound a little cold hearted, but I, I, hope, I hope the audience understands where I'm coming from when I say that. I think that this type of stuff should be accessible on one end. Like, I could play devil's advocate with myself is pretty much what's going to happen here. That's why I said I hope the audience understands with me because I'm about to battle myself. Because on one end, like, yeah, it makes sense. Throw it on Game Pass, get more eyes on there. You don't want people paying for early access jank that's broken. But at the same time, I almost want them to have their communities that do buy in that are interested in just the core concept and want to see that develop. Because as you said, I feel like when Game Pass starts to become this game preview machine, like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, we saw what happened with Square Enix. They're very pleased with what occurred with Outriders. And and as much as I love Outriders, you you already know the devs are taking notes saying, hey, you know, what about our game? You know, this this thing may not be in the most complete state, but they took Outriders and like they go you know, <laughs> Square Enix secured their bag like big time. So I'm just sitting there thinking to myself like, all right, well, same thing here with Game Preview. If you start to see these games explode through Game Pass via Game Preview, I'm sure as a business model, Game Pass would love that, right? We want to be the conduit for that type of explosion gets more eyes on our service but at the same time i feel if you start chucking in too many game preview titles in there uh, it starts to devalue the service where i'm in an agreement that i think there needs to be a upheld quality of things being complete right it doesn't mean everyone's got to be a home run everything's got to kill it 10 out of 10 game pass is going to have its ass games whatever yeah. just yeah that's fine that's fine just complete games that's all i personally ask for so i'm with you on that and um as for, for, you know, it's a tough line to walk. Obviously, nothing's going to change because two, two of the games he mentioned are are these sort of uh, partnerships that Xbox has formed and, and one of them coming from directly a first-party studio, Obsidian, Grounded. So I get it. And if they're launching like Grounded, that's the other case, right? That's the other thing. If they're launching like Grounded, which came out and yeah, it was content light, but it worked fine. Yes. It worked perfectly fine. And it's like, all right, like, fine. Yeah. You know, at that point, fine. But... You could go really either way on this. I personally would like for them to steer away from it generally because I don't think you're going to get as many grounded as uh, as you as most would expect. All right. Thank you for the write-in. Number four, Hunter Murphy. Thank you for writing in as well. Hey, Maddie and the Mysterious Stranger. As a diehard PlayStation fan, I find myself a weekly listener of this podcast because of the quality of the content. Thank you. I can really tell Maddie gives it his all, and it's a treat to listen to. Thank you again. Wow. My question wow. is, 
What do you think is the biggest each company can learn from each other? PlayStation does things way different from Xbox at times and vice versa. Thanks for all the great content. Cog, I'm passing it off to you again, man. What what can Xbox take notes from in the PlayStation handbook? Shout out to Lord Hunter. Fantastic question. Mm. Yeah, this is something I've been kind of down on my sword with. All right, so... um. For Microsoft, from the Xbox side, you know, I get, sometimes I get killed in the Xbox community for this one, but I'm, <laughs> going, I'm going to die on it. You know, I, I do feel, you know, they had this great diversity of titles, right? But yeah. I do want that AAA, third-person, over-the-shoulder kind of cinematic experience, right? Where, you know, it really tells you this story and you start to develop the new protagonist for the new generation, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I love about Sony. Like, they're always introducing, you have the Jin Sakai's from Ghost of Tsushima, you have, you know, Alloy. You know, they, they have these characters. Obviously, God of War's been there already, but I'm talking about from a new IP standpoint, mm -hmm. right? I want them to cultivate that as opposed to, always relying on, I, had to, I hate to say it, the burger shaking the fries with the Gears, Forza, and the Halo, right? So that's what, yeah. but they, they're doing a great job with diversity. So that I just want them to do that. And I know it's going to happen. They've got all these studios. We're hearing Compulsion might be one of them. So whenever you hear me say hashtag just one, that's the goal. I just want one of those <laughs> PlayStation-style games yeah. on the platform. That's it. Not, not that they all have to be like that. And on the flip side, for um, PlayStation, I think... I miss their lack, like their multiplayer focus. You know, I think that's what Xbox does well. Everything is co-op and, you know, community. And, and, and sometimes, don't get me wrong, I like my cinematic experiences, but mm -hmm. I feel like, remember the days of SOCOM and, you know what I mean? Like, oh, where, dude, absolutely. Yeah, like, where's that at, right? Like, they, yeah. they, they, I just want a little bit more on that so they don't just get redundant with their type of franchises. So that's that's where I'm at with uh with both of them as far as learning from each other. But what about you, Matty? I look at PlayStation first because my answer for them is much easier. I wish they experimented a lot more. And I'm not even attacking the, the the general style of most of their exclusives, which are those third person, as you said, over the shoulder open world style games. But I look at when they did PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. I'm like, man, I'd love a sequel for that. Of course, I'm a big Sly Cooper fan. You know, that's lying dead mm -hmm. in his grave. Would love to see that come back. But maybe it could come back in a remake style. I believe it could. I think it would do well. But I also understand why they wouldn't want to because it's not the most business savvy thing. But I love a PlayStation that experiments. I look at their... My favorite era of PlayStation was really the Vita because mm. it sort of challenged that because they were also transitioning into the PS4 at the time. So you saw them working on next-gen newer stuff you saw them working on ps3 games and then ps3 games they could squeeze onto the vita and then like mm -hmm. vita exclusives it was just a wide portfolio of different types of experiences you could have and i i really believe genuinely the vita was the conduit for that it was sort of the middleman yes between these two wonderful consoles uh so for me i missed that experimental playstation i think they found their they, like i wonder if just after the the big hack that they went through in 2011 and yeah. If there was just some type of financial strife within, because I feel like once they found their safety net and they felt comfortable, they sort of just wrote it out and they have continued to. And that's not a bad thing. We've gotten some amazing games because of it. But I, as someone who uh, really enjoyed those variety of titles I've, I've mentioned, plus more um, Gravity Rush, another one. Ooh. It's like I would love to see them try these things, but they've sort yes. of condensed more and more. And uh, and appealed, I think, to a Western audience, which isn't really a bad thing, because right. um, once again, we're getting these great games. But I would love to see them experiment yeah. a little bit harder. I agree. One, one last point: oh, you, you're please. on fire with that too. Um, another thing I want 
play uh which i want xbox to do in reference to playstation is you know i think PlayStation in the past did a really good job of sometimes the initial new ip doesn't knock it out the park on the first one right so i think what i like is that the a lot of games those type of games get afforded a sequel you see like what happens with uncharted you see what's going on with you know different titles so it's like you know mm -hmm. the first one is okay and then they have the foundation so i think that like for example i look at something like a rise sun and roll yeah. Right, and yeah. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, 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 it's flawed as I call it the greatest 900p game I've ever seen. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. like as, as flawed as it was, and yes, I know it had the QTE. I get it. it. It wasn't perfection, but it was a great, you know, hope for the future at the beginning of the Xbox One generation. And I look at titles like that, and I'm like, man, that I wish that could be afforded a sequel kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's what PlayStation used to do early that I really like, and I want. Microsoft to adopt that. But to your point with PlayStation, I do miss, you know, the the Japanese focus and and, and having that diversity as well, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying, as opposed to kind of going more European and, and Western as they yeah. seem to be now. You put me in my feels. You brought up Rise Sun of Rome. Ooh! That game is... Marius. Oh my god, it's so Saturians. <laughs> Bro, when I saw that trailer at E3, I was like, how is this Xbox even doing this? Like, mm -hmm. it was crazy. Man. I love yeah. that game, man. I really Ooh. do, because... I remember when I played it, I, I bought all the launch games for my Xbox One when it came out. And mm, me too. I was thinking like, oh, Dead Rising 3 is going to be my game. Open world. I saw Mega Man references in it. I was like, yo, I'm all over this thing, man. And I played a co-op with a buddy, but I was always going back to either Killer Instinct or um, uh, Rise. Rise. And Rise, I, I beat twice. And it's just like, dude, that game is, is so good. And it's got the multiplayer horror Oh, man. Yeah, it's Bro. underrated. Underrated. I gotta go back to that just to just yeah. to mess around with it. It's, it's criminal. There's no FPS boost yet. Man. I know. I know. That needs the treatment, man. Yeah, there are so many games. There's a laundry list. Like I was, I've been playing Dead Space lately, and like that, I, I was like, oh, surely this has FPS boost. And it doesn't. <laughs> I was just like, damn, man. Don't worry. Shout, shout out to Jason Rod and the team. We had the ball. They, they, they're working. They got a lot of yeah. things going on. Absolutely. And they're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, greedy Maddie wants a little yeah. bit more. Selfish cogs, yeah. which. <laughs> uh, for me, what could Xbox learn from PlayStation? Mm. You know, it's. It, I feel like my answer would be a little too obvious of, of course, taking notes from those exclusives. And I don't want to copy yours too much. But I'm gonna I'm gonna dip deeper into the past here. While PlayStation isn't doing this now, PlayStation did experiment with handhelds twice. And not that Xbox needs to start making tighter handheld games, but I think with where XCloud is going, that they should start looking into a device designed for portable gaming. And they've discussed it slightly like they call it a game pass device, but I'm not talking like a dongle. I'm talking a almost a Vita maybe something tighter than that. I get the idea. Everyone's got a phone, but for me personally, my phone is my communication device. It's my connection to, to business. So I don't typically use it ever for games. I don't have any games on my phone. I play enough games as is. I like the idea of having a device that's small, fits in my pocket, fits in a, 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 a pocketbook, whatever, and you can pull it out whenever and play these games. Um, especially if there was a way to download them locally, that's getting galaxy brain, but Let's get it. I just I would love to see the the wizards of hardware at, at Microsoft figure something out with that. Uh, so for me, it, a little bit more obscure, but it's also I don't want to walk right over Cog's answer and say the same ah, thing. But no, bro, you are fine. I, like I would it. love to. I would love to see them 
take a crack at handheld. Really, yeah. I would. Of course, I'm biased. Game Boy Advance SP is oh, one of my favorite you. systems of all time. So, you oh, know, <laughs> as you know, uh, I think I, I answered that yeah. on your show, right? Yeah. So <laughs> you said that on ILP. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, a great idea. I mean, they we've known in the past they've dipped their toe a few times with like prototypes, mm -hmm. but it would be cool to have like a little dedicated Dude. device. But I, I wonder now with xCloud. You know, maybe now that's just you're not in the cards anymore. But yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I, would, I wouldn't be opposed. I certainly wouldn't. I love it. Number five, and then we'll get into the news. This comes from BM. With Game Pass running on the iOS browser, pardon me, that's my protein shake, coming up to circumvent the App Store. What's stopping Microsoft from doing that with PS4's web browser? This was actually an immediate thought. When when they I saw them mentioning the browsers and stuff, I went, do they need permission? Like, can I go on xbox.com slash play and sign in? And can I just start playing xbox teams on my playstation i don't think you can but i, I should have checked this out before this episode i just didn't have the time to but what do you what do you make of this ability to circumvent the app store do you think xbox reaches over playstation is that even possible i don't i don't think it is but i want to pick your mind on you might know more than i one would think the uh the network infrastructure at sony would not allow there would be some type of keywords or or url blocks to stop yeah. that from happening because that would be wild yeah. i would say it's a funny question um I, I got it i gotta think no right you gotta think what you think man i gotta think no. i gotta think now yeah i i would love to see it i think that what we're talking about is if they bring it to playstation at all this will be the way they do it I don't think they will do a dedicated app because then you start to have Xbox stuff branded all over your own console. It's through the browser and it's a sign-in thing. It's almost like you, you, you're you having them take that extra step, but it's so that you know when you sign in, you see the, the home menu and you're seeing everything in the PS store. It's all PlayStation-centric. It's all PlayStation-centric. And then if you're in the cut and you know about Game Pass, you know how to access it. I think that's what they want to do, just almost like behind the curtains, just nice and quiet. Yep, 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 I don't think yep. they want to make it loud if they ever do it. They're just like, all right, well... We'll do it. We'll <laughs> but great question. Honestly, N nothing more for me to say on that unless you got more. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. All right, cool. Let's get into the news. We got seven items today, so get comfortable. The first one has to do with PlayStation. As always, we like to talk about when significant moves happen on their end. This may be an Xbox show, but we got to talk about how does Microsoft respond? Is PlayStation in a better position? So on and so forth. So let's get into it. PlayStation has officially made its first acquisition since Insomniac Games, which occurred on February 10th, 2020. Not only that, but is merely their second studio acquisition in the last decade. Perhaps unsurprisingly, PlayStation has welcomed Housemark to the first party family. This is the team that introduced hit arcade titles like Super Stardust HD and Resogun to PlayStation audience until their first foray in AAA development with the recently released PlayStation 5 exclusive, Returnal. One noteworthy aspect is there isn't a price tag currently associated with this announcement like that of Insomniac Games, who went for $229 million. In a follow-up interview with Famitsu, Housemark states that the acquisition talks began in 2020 and that their next project will go beyond that of Returnal. However, that's not all. It appears PlayStation has also acquired Bluepoint Games, another long-term partner of PlayStation's, which brought to life various remaster packages, such as the Uncharted Collection, Gravity Rush Remastered, or the Metal Gear Solid HD Collection. Since 2018, the team has developed a knack for creating impressive uh, remakes, which we talked about earlier, such as Shadow of the Colossus and the PlayStation 5 launch exclusive, which may become a PS4, Demon's Souls remake. This acquisition slipped through the cracks when PlayStation uploaded a blog post announcing they had acquired Housemark, but the accompanying image fe featured the PlayStation Studios logo 
with Blue Point's logo to the side. It was quickly changed to House Marks, but it's hard to imagine this was an accident. Sony has been on a partnership spree as of late, teaming up with Discord, purchasing Evo, and even linking up with Jade Raymond to form Haven Studio, a studio in Montreal, as well as signing a brand new IP from Deviation Games. All right, first question comes from Jace McGarver for this segment here. Congrats on the new co-host. My question is about the competitor. How do you feel about Sony purchasing Housemark and the potential of a Blue Point tease? Obviously, Xbox is sitting well, and this isn't worrisome, but I wanted to get your take on the transaction. Thanks, as always, Jace. Cog, I don't think PlayStation's getting enough credit for their aggression this year. A lot yeah. of people talking about PS4 and PS5 exclusives, which has dominated the conversation, sort of sucked the air of the room for them having an otherwise pretty exciting year. Uh, so what do you make of... What I think is mostly unsurprising, they've brought House Mark in. They've they're bringing in. It seems like Blue Point. We'll we'll treat that as more speculation until it's fully confirmed. But what do you think? What do you think of some of the rumbles on the PlayStation side of things? Yeah, I mean these are these are logical moves to me. You know, the, these definitely make sense. House Mark, the relationships there. You know, obviously you remember the the Rezo gun and and all that stuff. Returnal is is really doing well for them. We're hearing a lot of things. And then I think I believe they interviewed. Had an interview with uh, Herman on GQ, which was funny. GQ's doing GQ, yeah, GQ's in the gaming space. They they, they out here. Oh right, yeah, man. Like just to see, you know, you know what they benefit from it, and I, I, you know, they they talked about a future project and stuff like that. So you know that that's pretty exciting. I mean, you you have the established relationship, working relationship already. You know, it kind of makes sense, and I think. You know, from an acquisition standpoint, the way I look at it, it's like what well, we we call it. It's cuffing season, man. You, you, <laughs> bro, you gotta snatch these joints up because uh. at the end of the day, you know, Phil is out here, ten cents out here. Yeah. Like the the bags are out here for gaming. So yeah. if you play around and you know, not to get too crazy with the relationship talk, but like if you play around and, and someone is wooing who you've been with, you got to be careful, bro. So at the end of the day, I think it's a great relationship. As far as the other moves, I love Evo. I, I love that. I know you went on your fighting games rant. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love that PlayStation's kind of keeping that alive, that they have that now that name association with that. You know, the funny part of this is is, is Blue Point. I know. I think that's hilarious that that kind of got, you know, semi, semi-leaked out or whatever. Yeah. But again, another, if confirmed, right? another relationship that makes sense you know they, they've been working together and in, in that vein of uh remasters and things like that so overall sony's been aggressive i think this is part of this um next generation so to speak if you want to call it arms race and stuff but mm-hmm. you got to secure everything in-house because you never know i mean look at insomniac you know that you know that went from microsoft they, they, these are situations you want to bolster that that lineup in those titles so what, what do you think maddie yeah, exactly that. They need to secure theirs because you saw Xbox sort of backdoor them with the MLB and get the show on Game Pass day one. They knew that was a mm-hmm. kick in the, you know, what? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Insomniac was a partnership forming. They made the fantastic Sunset Overdrive. And I think they're better off with PlayStation. I should mention this because look at what yeah. they produce with them. Oh, they're yeah. just, yeah, they're, they belong there. And I think that's yeah. an excellent fit. For me, what I really wanted to tap into, and I want to mention also that in in the coming weeks, we're going to have Colin come on our first episode of Defining Duke together, Defining Duke Ultimate. And we're actually going to sit down and talk about kind of the trajectory both these companies are on, because what you're seeing is Xbox will form partnerships like when they got Bethesda. They did work together in some exclusive capacity, like I think of Morrowind, Oblivion. I think of the status of some of the games that have come out for Xbox versus PlayStation. It's clear 
Bethesda maybe was more familiar or enjoyed the tools that Xbox offered more on the PlayStation side of things, and they were more quick to throw PlayStation under the bus. But beyond that, really, I look at what PlayStation does. They work with these companies for years and years and years, and then they snag them. And I think to myself, I, I wonder if this is a, an effective move. We don't know the price tag that Housemark went for. I think that was a decision to keep it private, especially because I, I think after what occurred with Insomniac, where now everyone's going fleece, fleece, steal, you know, because like <laughs> look at what they produced since they've joined them, right? Like, my God. And, and then you look at what, what Microsoft paid for Bethesda. I'm sure they're trying to keep that type of stuff quiet. Um, but I'm wondering if these long-term partnerships almost try to create a perception of you need PlayStation and they mm. it lowers their, their asking price to kind of, because like I said, one of the things that, that Housemark talked about with Famitsu was saying how, um, they're able to comfortably make really what they want to make. Uh, I'm paraphrasing of course, yeah. but that was generally what they were getting at, um, with the support of PlayStation that they can now take the next step. And people can really see what they're capable of in AAA development. Yes. And that's exciting because while I haven't played Returnal, I know a lot of people have enjoyed it. They've liked the sort of com combination of arcadey, bullet hell-like gameplay in a AAA space. And this really new experiment for the team where they've gone from Resogun to this. I mean, even if it was a, a stumble, it's impressive what they've accomplished. Right. And so I just, I look at this and think, you know, I, I think, it, I love how they've just developed these partnerships and then they buy them. But it does. <laughs> I do. I do find it interesting that um, one of the weird counterpoints consistently. I, I can't speak to House Mark because I don't know their their history. But I know Blue Point was just working for everybody, and a lot of people right. say like PlayStation develops in house talent, right? They draft the rook, they mm -hmm. develop them, and it's like no, PlayStation buys people buys too. too. They yeah. do. They, they, and it's fine. It's fine. But it's like man. Uh, mm -hmm. But they do work with them extensively, which I think is uh, it makes it where this was less of a bang for people. It was more of a and I think this is how acquisitions should work. It's like, oh, OK, right. Makes sense. Yeah. Right? Like, no, absolutely. And, 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 and to double down on what you said, I mean, I think sometimes gamers have this like misconception, like buying a studio is, is bad for the industry. And the way I look at it, you know, is that like. I'm a fan of games, so I want games to exist, especially from beloved studios. The saddest thing is when it's a beloved studio of a game, and you're like, yo, they didn't do well, they closed down. Mm -hmm. I'm still in my feelings over the um the High Moon Transformers game. Like, we, we talk like, there's yeah. certain games where you're like, damn, I wish it did. So you look at, you know, everything is a risk proposition. And, and to me, I'm never going to be opposed for, like, stability of a studio. As long as their culture is allowed to be remain intact, mm -hmm. you know, and they be able to do what they want to do, I'm all about it. So, you know, again, you know, when you when you hear about the house park, you hear about the room at Blue Point, you know, you hear the stories from Xbox Game Studios and they're saying, hey, you know, we're still allowed to do what we want to do, but now we have more resources and things like that. I'm all about, you know, studios thriving and, and having the chance to, to be financially secure. So that that's where I'm at. Now, now does every move work no but mm. I, I, i'm I'm about them existing <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean moving forward so. i agree I, you know i think a, a lesson learned that people often forget and they'll probably forget even more because it looks like the ip is coming back according to reports is what, what happened with visceral games you know yeah. what happened with pandemic studios at least for me pandemic was one of my favorite developers growing up for those who don't know the original two battlefront games they brought us lord of the rings conquest the saboteur mercenaries like they brought these amazing series Visceral Games, best known for Dead Space 1, 2, and 3. I mean, 
these incredible studios that work on such amazing projects and they get shut down. And I don't forget that stuff. Like I, I still remember I was on vacation. I was in Florida and I, I saw visceral got shut down. I made a video on the spot. So I was like, are you kidding me? Wow. So I'm all in favor of not that, for example, blue point or house mark around the chopping block, but I'm of the mindset as well that, you know, as long as these studios can maintain a sense of culture that they've established and it's more like, Hey, you're our guy for the funds not to tell us what to do specifically. And I'm about that. That's why people get excited about Xbox acquisitions because they seem to establish a, you operate independently. We will just write you the check if you need it. Breach. And that's, Breach. I think that's really what it's all coming down to. Uh, and especially you're going to see more and more studios get bought up because I think the best way to put it is it is cuffing season, right? And it's like, yo, it's, it, it, dude, go get your money, right? Like <laughs> everyone's looking saying, wow, we've made these games independently for, 10 20 years and we can go sell for like three times our price right now to to secure our future and these companies are becoming less invasive i mean it's hard yeah. to argue against it it's really is so it's a, it's a risky business man there's yeah. no guarantees definitely volatile yeah and it's why you you know that's that's why you really want to sell your company if you can i think some of these guys like to team up for exclusivity because you mitigate that risk you keep your employees like just I think that's really not what it's about, but that's probably the goal for a lot of studios. Some want to remain independent and do their own thing. And I respect the hell out of that, right? Absolutely. You know, you see Techland trying to do that and, 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 and I, you know, Bethesda did that. Square Enix did that. Ubisoft, like I respect that the tenacity to remain independent, but um, I don't blame some of these smaller teams like a house mark or, or blue point for saying like, Hey, let's, you know, let, yeah. let's join them up. Absolutely. Next question comes from Frank Ortez or Ortiz. Sorry. What up, Maddie? A new co-host. With Sony finally acquiring Housemark and possibly Bluepoint on a random Tuesday of all times, I was wondering when Phil is going to announce his next acquisition. Crytek would be my ideal guess. There are many rumors going around with a crisis reboot that is going to push current hardware to its limits. My conspiracy theory is that Phil has already acquired them and will unveil the crisis reboot at next year's E3 along with the acquisition. <laughs> now, here's the thing. We've all learned a lesson collectively with the acquisition of Bethesda is that there is legal stuff that would go into it where... We would know. We would know. So there's no under the radar, we got them kind of thing. At least I don't think. I mean, then again, with 2018 on E3, they hit the stage and announced five acquisitions, oh. but that was wild. That's still, yes. I, I always remember that. Yes. But of course, we got to go to this end of the conversation. Xbox has said it themselves that they're looking at other studios. We're seeing them form third party partnerships with like Avalanche. Rumor is they're also doing it with IO Interactive. Mm -hmm. Gotta ask you, Cog, do they announce something this year? Do you think that lightning strikes twice? I mean, the, the rumblings prior to E3 were very high. We saw like mm -hmm. dragon emojis and typhoons and yeah. all type of stuff going yeah. on. So, you know, I think for me, one of the biggest surprises of the, what is it, the Microsoft Bethesda E3 showcase was that there was not one announced, right? So, um, yeah, I think... You know, I, I think I think we get one. I think mm -hmm. I, I still think we get one. I think that um, you know, they're still in that acquisition phase. There's still a lot of things that make sense. We got to see what's going on with WB mm -hmm. as far as their their properties. You know, we we've heard the names, the IOs, the was it the Avalanche things like that. You know, the crowd the crowd tech thing is kind of interesting to me. You know, we already bloviated about Rise, right? So yeah. it's like, you know, I think I'm gonna be honest. Like selfishly, I want the engine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever the tech, yeah. that 
engine is doing, bro. I want the engine, man. Mm-hmm. Cry, that cry engine looks crazy. And again, we were talking about, you know, Rise, greatest 900p game I've ever seen. You know yep. what I mean? And it, to me, it worked wonders with technology that, let's be honest, that was a, a, a Xbox One that was running on 15% utilizing Connect still, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And they would have eke out that level of performance. So from an engine standpoint and a couple of IPs, it would be interesting to see. But, um, and I'm going to hold hope, man. I, I'm a Sega kid. I'm always going to hold hope for that <laughs> one magical day because that, that to me, they, they won. They, they won E3, whatever yeah. award show. If that announcement happens, Betty, they won. Yeah. I'm in. They could do no wrong. Phil is the greatest. I'll give the king an additional title. <laughs> Phil Dominus Maximus, whatever he wants to call yeah. Phil after that, he will get every Roman title known to man. So that's that's why I meant. But I, I do think it, it'll probably be you know one one or two and, and more not on that bigger scale. But um, I I, th- I do think they're cooking. I think they, they it makes sense. Game Pass has to thrive. You need stuff in it. But what, what, what's going on with you? What you think? Yeah, I I think Crytek would be so interesting, just because you get the Cry Engine. Then you have id tech. Then you have like Slipstream, which is looking pretty strong. I mean, they got some good stuff under the hood if you get Crytek as well. I mean, there's a lot that can happen there. You know, a lot of people immediately went, oh, what happens if you do a Halo spinoff on id tech? And, and then if you got Cryogen there, what opportunities open up there as well with something so beautiful on a, a graphical level? Mm. And Microsoft always loves to buy and experiment with tech. So I feel like that's a pretty possible one. Because uh, I, I was incorrect. I, I think I corrected myself in a video and the podcast, but I know I previously dismissed it. It was a video. I dismissed that uh, Cry, uh, Crytek would be going anywhere. And then I saw Jez Corden actually said that well, I may have spoke too soon. It's, it might happen. So okay. we'll, we'll see, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just too many studios that seem up for sale. I think Warner Bros. is the one they're going to. That's the one that will probably take the longest. Like, I wouldn't yes. be surprised if that was a 2023, 2022 bethesda style acquisition because the bethesda one was it began in october or september of 2018 and we didn't get until september of 2020 so there was a lot that went between those two companies where i feel something on a more individual level like a crytek or io interactive a lot easier for xbox but i mean i think the ones that they're i think they might start taking the playstation around so uh, you know something along the lines of hey we're going to team up with avalanche we're going to do this project dragon and and or, i'm not dragon sorry they were the ones doing typhoon and yes. then and then we're gonna we're gonna roll them in as a first mm. party yeah yeah because they want to hit those games every quarter and i was saying it the only way you can do that is by just power of numbers then yes. you will know no matter what happens with development that someone will be there to fill that gap absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting rest of the year. I think with uh, XO 2021, whatever they're going to call it, maybe that happens this year uh, mm-hmm. with things loosening up that maybe that's the place they announce it because we, we know that's where they've announced previous acquisitions like Obsidian and Exile. So mm-hmm. I would I would be very keen to see them do something there. I think the expectations would be quite high. Absolutely. So thank you both Jace and Frank for your write-ins. And those are some of our thoughts on what's going on with PlayStation. Now... Updates on the Halo Infinite front. The first season of content for the game's free-to-play multiplayer component has been announced. In a post on Halo's Waypoint, 343's head of creative, Joe Staten, couldn't share much outside of the following. Quote, We picked Heroes of Reach as a seasonal theme for very specific reasons. Reach has a rich history. It's a key location for Spartans of old and a focal point for a new generation of Spartans preparing to wrestle with the perils and mysteries of a galaxy that has fundamentally changed after the events of Halo 5. 
In other news, Phil Spencer had more to share on the vague release window given to Halo Infinite in a showcase chock full of games with set dates. When guesting on the Drop Frames podcast, Phil said the following, quote, We know kind of our range in a three to four week range. We don't have the exact day. There's some other things with some other game timing that we're trying to look at. We'll have a better clarity over the summer, but this isn't a month's thing. This is just down to a few weeks, end quote. Phil then added, quote, instead of picking this date and having it move by a week, which at this point would feel like a fail, we don't want to do that. Let's wait until we're really solid on what the date is, end quote. He concludes in stating that 343 Industries is very committed to the holiday. So the first part, I personally don't have much to touch on there, but I also wanted to direct the conversation to you with, are you eased a little bit with some of Phil's comments where... When I saw the, you know, everything around it getting the date, and then you saw the holiday 2021 for Halo, I went, oh no, might not, <laughs> might not make it out this year. I don't know. Uh, does, does what Phil said here, you know, it seems like they're taking a look at probably Call of Duty. Um, does this line up? And, and, and do you think, like, okay, I think they're going to release it this year? And do you have faith in that? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I mean, this is a, a fun debate on Iron Lords podcast. <laughs> me, 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 and Addict versus Sov and King, and, and and they're of the mindset, you know, you just drop it whenever because it's Halo, right? And and I get it, you I'm know, the same way to be honest. You know, I, okay, so see you there. Yeah. Say that with the opposite side because the only thing I say is this: like, you know, we know the history. We we know how big this game is, and I, and I get it. I just want it to breathe. I just don't want it to be a situation like a Titanfall 2 and a Battlefield, you know, where they kind of cannibalize. So in my opinion, when I see Phil's comments, to me, this is gamesmanship. This is the game is pretty much done. They, they're going to afford them, you know, the bud fixes and development and, and just making sure they get it across the finish line. But I'm, I'm pretty confident they know what they want to do already. Right. It just may be a situation where they want to look at the climate, look at what else is going on. We mm-hmm. also know Forza's in that November spot, which is kind of untypical as well, mm-hmm. right? You got the Halo anniversary. I think there's a lot of fact. I honestly think it's slightly fluid within a small window. I think they do kind of know what they want to do, the window where it be complete, but they just want to um, get it out. And the last point I'll make is, um, got to plug a little bit. You know, ILP, we had uh, Patrick Wren, multiplayer designer on uh, for 343. And I was even asked, because I was worried. I was like, well, maybe they still got things they got to do. And, you know, I was like, it's things fluid. He's like, no, 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 no. It's done. You know, he's like, it's a matter of, you know, bug testing, polish, that kind of thing. Right. And because I basically asked a question like, do are we still, you know, feature creep? Is there still a chance things can be put in? And, and they were, he was like, no, 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 they're done. So I think they're they're ready to rock. It's just a matter of gamesmanship, positioning, and waiting for Big COD to announce mm-hmm. that uh, that release date. So, what you think? You you ain't scared, Maddie? You ain't scared of Big COD out here? You were king and Saul? Where you at I with just, this? Yeah. So like, the thing is, like, I look at the free to play component. And that's the difference maker. Oh, if we're talking okay. sixty, okay, okay. If we're talking sixty, seventy, like, yeah, yeah. Wait for COD. Yeah. But I just feel like the. And maybe I'm getting a little overconfident. This is why Ooh. I'm not running what's going on you at got Xbox. Your chest out. Let's right? Go. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm sitting there thinking, dude, we're free. Halo's rocking and rolling. People are actually excited. It looks great. Like, we'll dominate COD. Like, we'll go up uh, against COD. And I'm just like, I, I respect that. I, I was I was ready for that level of tenacity. I think they are being smart. I think uh, it, I think almost, I don't know if they're looking at COD and saying we want to strike ahead of them or, or after them. Mm. That's what I'm wondering is mm. 
because you got Horizon, like you said, in that very particular position in, in the early part of November. COD is typically a November launch. Let's say that hits like November 15th or somewhere in that area. Yeah. It's like, now do you do you come before that and do you interrupt anything that happens with Forza and distract yes. from Forza? So you have to come after Forza, I would, I would imagine. I could, I could be, once again, totally wrong here. Mm-hmm. You obviously, I don't think, want to stomp over Age of Empires either. I don't know if Halo mm. could just slip out in October. And then Battlefield's October too, bro. Exactly, right? So does does Battlefield stop you? Does Battlefield, mm. we've heard murmurs, but nothing concrete. But it's like, do they look at, hey, let's get Battlefield on Game Pass day one, uh, like a late acquisition, and then that's our shooter for October. And then you've got mm. Halo for November. I mean, there's a lot of interesting pieces on the chessboard that I'm just throwing out there and seeing what sticks to the wall. Because I think ultimately you go late November with this game. You know, I would not be remotely surprised with that come after everything's been done you know you give forza its window forza has its own audience i don't think forza and halo really overlap but i'm just thinking from an exclusivity standpoint i'm thinking of our audience who's interested in all these games as well and i know that's a much smaller percentage but i'm just thinking in general like there are people who who do have that overlap and interest in just generally every xbox exclusive and just seeing what it's all about so yeah I, i really teeter back and forth on this but i feel like they should have the confidence to go up against it because it's release uh, uh, the type of game it is is totally different. But then again, they are going to sell the campaign and that's going to evolve. So you have to be strategic with one end more than the other is probably what's occurring here that I'm not accounting for. Bro, I, I think this is one of the most curious things. I, I'm very intrigued by this. I, mm-hmm. I, it's so many factors. You, you laid it out perfectly. You got October. You got you know age. You got Battlefield. You, you know November. Obviously, Call of Duty, Forza. Do you, there's so many. Fa- I'm when this thing shakes out, I am dying to know how it all aligns. because yeah. this is this is a fun one. This is a yeah. fun. I want to see what their mindset is moving forward. And the last point is, especially in relationship to Horizon Five, how do they play that out? You know what I mean? I agree, man. It, the, the The way it's going to shake out is going to be phenomenal because you have the chance to say, like, oh, Xbox has a ton of games. Like, maybe they release Halo on November 11th and then mm-hmm. and then Forza on the, I think it's the 15th or something like that. I'm, mm-hmm. I, actually, no, that's the anniversary. I'm mixing updates. But point being right. is, I just think it's actually exciting to see maybe Xbox is going to have a lot of games crammed into one window. And mm-hmm. some people don't think that's possible because you look at other companies, how they operate. And I, well, I go, hey, Xbox, man, they... They need some exclusives. They need some 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 real pedal to the metal action for a couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. We're actually kind of seeing that heading into July with some indies. Uh, yeah. I was looking at the indie schedule and there was like Chris Tales and uh, Death's Door and The Ascent. And I'm like, man, they're getting some really good independent games there exclusively or day one on Game Pass, you know, back to back to back. Mm-hmm. No one's really talking about it. So that's a good point, you know. Just keep keep up the production here, and we'll we'll be just fine. I think the deluge is coming. Yeah, but I think what you added with with your interview with I, I forgot what his name was. Oh, uh, Patrick Wren. He was the uh, multiplayer designer for yeah. Three. I think that adds a really good element to the conversation of knowing you know they're not trying to slip in more features because that would extend the development time. And if they are just polishing for the next five months, that's a very encouraging sign. Very encouraging sign. Um, and who knows? Did they, did he ever end up saying? Sorry, I didn't listen. But did he ever no, say when they completed? The, the um game. he didn't say when he just said they were and then we talked about also the beta they you know they, they didn't do that they're gonna get that to us as far as the multiplayer beta but um yeah he just said that uh because we were trying to you know our chat was like you know there's assassinations in is this in and certain things he didn't want to speak to mm-hmm. so i said okay that's why i said you know instead of asking him a bunch of things he can't answer you know 
are we set in stone at this point or are, are there still things kind of, and he said, no, we are locked in, set in stone, what, what you're going to get. And then we're, we're just down in the refining and the polishing phase. Okay. That's definitely, that definitely grows confidence in the, in the title for sure then. Yeah. And it explains why it's just, it's, it's such a sore thumb when you really look at it, when they like lay out the whole set of pictures, but that's fine. Uh, during that same dropped podcast, Drop Frames podcast is number three. Phil Spencer opened up on the future of an Xbox One. one bleh, bleh, I've tied my words together here. Xbox One launch exclusive that many hold near and dear to their hearts. That is the fighting game Killer Instinct. And Phil has said there is a strong desire to get another one done. Quote, I will just say Xbox Game Studios had Matt Booty and I have discussed many times Killer Instinct and where we would like to go with it. And it's not out of our minds that any pauses it might be out of our minds, but it's in our hearts and in our mind that we want to do something with killer instinct End quote. Phil continues quote, it's about finding the right team and the right opportunity, but it is not due to any lack of desire or on our part that we're not doing more with killer instinct because we love the franchise and the community response End quote. You killer instinct guy cog. I am not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a techie dude. I'm a techie dude. Uh, but, dude, let's go. All right. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that, that's my thing. But look, I, re- I understand the importance of this, man. It, it was so well received. The Killer Instinct community, you know, absolutely love it. So it does. Uh, I'm a fighting game guy, though. So it does mm-hmm. bother me that Killer Instinct hasn't been revived yet. We're not talking about the next iteration. I like that he's Phil's mentioning it, you know, in the sense that they, st- they are looking, you know, for a team. You know, I want to actually ask you a question in reference to the initial development studio that had it prior. Like, I guess my question is, what's the status? Like, why aren't they allowed to continue or they would just kind of. So is that actually kind of strange? Let me just double check the mm-hmm. name real quick just yeah. to make sure. Mm-hmm. And then I will continue on. OK, so yeah. Double Helix. Double Helix. Yes. Was uh, the original developer for Killer Instinct. Mm hmm. And then they transitioned to Iron Galaxy. And then Double Helix, I'm looking right now, was acquired by Amazon. Oh, wow. Okay. And so really what happened was Amazon got ahead of Microsoft. Gotcha. And got them. Uh, and, 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 and Cuffin season. You see what really we're talking is, about? Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is like 2018. Uh, but yeah, they relinquished Killer Instinct to Iron Galaxy. And then Iron Galaxy has expressed a desire to do mm. a second one. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. But it I, happened. <laughs> no, that's the thing that what sucks is is developers will put that out there saying, you know, to get the conversation started, like, hey, we want to do this and, and show that the crowd wants it. Mm-hmm. One really prominent example in my personal community is Obsidian has said since 2014 on multiple occasions, we do another fallout. Like, here's what we do. We do New Orleans, they said. Like, they've gone over it before. They've talked on it. It's exciting. Bethesda's never jumped at it, though. Uh, so mm-hmm. just because one side expresses a desire doesn't mean the other wants to do it. And Correct. Not that Xbox is sitting there going, well, hmm, no, you're bad. I don't think it's anything about the quality of work that Iron mm-hmm. Galaxy did. Mm-hmm. I look at it like, from a standpoint, we're talking acquisitions, Cog, yeah, and I was so. thinking to myself, man, Warner Bros., what what if they get rid of NetherRealm? You don't take the I'm IP talking. with you. You don't, you don't take Ooh. Mortal Kombat. But you take NetherRealm, and I said you make you have them make a Killer Instinct game. I mean, what does that look like? I don't think the type of fighter that NetherRealm makes meshes with the type of fighter that the Killer Instinct reboot really was. Right. But 
I still think that NetherRealm is a competent enough studio to make a very good fighting game. Um, where that was my galaxy brain plan. Mm-hmm. Despite all of that, fighting games are are such a dying breed almost, it feels like. And I would love to see, you know, PlayStation's invested in Evo, but I would love to see PlayStation invest in their exclusive fighters, do another, you know, Battle Royale kind of game with, with all the new PlayStation faces. I'd right. love to see Xbox do another Killer Instinct game. Um, just because... Out of all the genres across gaming, I feel like fighting games are the ones that are hanging back on some of these age-old things, right? Like, yes. You know, I, I say this with all due respect. I think Smash probably does it the best. Like, they're like, you get a new character, you get a new stage, right. you get new music, um, new new spirits, new things to do when you buy that character. You don't just spend, like, eight bucks and get one new character and that's it. Which I think just the monetization and the approach to extended content for these fighting games is is it just feels lackluster in comparison and it's because of course fighting games need to be finely tuned you don't want to throw out these busted broken characters yeah Yeah. just destroying the balance of the game ruining the online ecosystem hurting players times with the experience but there's got to be a way there's got to be a team out there that finds a way is what i'm saying where you can sort of unlock what fighting games were all about for many years where what happens is they're popular for about a week and then it's just the Evo. It's like, all right, well, we'll see you with the tournaments. Like that's right. when I'll tune in and they're fun to watch, but I don't see many people talking about them, buying them. And if you need just proof of that, go look at any of the recent game awards listings for fighting games. And they use these re-releases. They use these, like they don't even, I'm pretty sure one of the years there was like mortal Kombat 11 ultimate or something like that that released the same year as a brand new fighting game from arc system. That was really good. And, uh, it was grand blue fantasy versus yes. And I'm pretty sure I'll have to double check, but I'm pretty sure mortal Kombat one. I'm like, how is that possible? Like this isn't even new from this year. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a mess. So I would love to see both sides really start investing in fighting games in a um, long 1000% with you, bro. That's sorry to cut you, but no, you're good. It's like, man, it's such a dying genre. It's a genre that's near and dear to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm with, like, you stole my nether room and I was in the same bag. <laughs> like, you know, they've got the, they've got the experience. They've got the chops, you know, obviously Kill Instinct is a different fighting game, but I have, I would have confidence in them to retain the spirit of what that fighting game is, right? right? And, and they've got that pedigree. And think about like potential crossovers, right? Like you know, what I'm saying they, they, you know, Netherrealm did it with was it DC and MK for a little bit, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. So you know, I, I'm with you, man. I, I don't want this genre to die. I want a f- fresh life. And as much as I'm a Tekken fan. I wasn't a fan of the monetization model, the way they handle it. You know, I, I mean, th- you know, they added a new character, but I always felt like. I miss the days of, um, you know, when the, you had a character and then you have this new character and then you do like the campaign version for that character. Mm-hmm. So you get kind of ingratiated into the character's story and background. And I think yeah, now Soul it's Calibur like... Soul kind of route, right? Yeah. That's what they did, yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that that's for me. Like now it's just like, all right, new guy. All right, where's the backstory? And where's the, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I, I think Smash is probably the better better way of doing it right now currently, but I still think it's, it's improvement. I, I miss the days... Yeah. Again, I would I would play Tekken and a new character come out and I'd play the campaign version, like the arcade, and then you get the little cinematic ending. And I always felt that connected me to it. So they, got, they still have to refine the, the model because I just don't want it to be new character, new meta, Evo, done. 
Yeah, you know, like exactly. Kind of it's too rinse and repeat. And and there's been mumblings of uh, Tekken Cross Street Fighter where you'd have the Street yeah, Fighter yeah. characters in the Tekken engine. Yeah. I mean, I love Har- Harada shot it down, though. Yeah. Oh, he did? He did? Yeah, Harada, oh, Harada, no. Harada shot, shot that all the way. Uh, he is like, look, you know, they had a couple of chances when I, I got a chance to meet him. Great guy. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a couple of chances with it in, in development. They just couldn't figure it out. They ended up doing the Akuma canon in Tekken 7 mm-hmm. as like a thing. He still, because now they're kind of killing him. Like, what do you mean it's dead? So now he's like backtracking a little bit. It's not completely dead, but uh, no plans for right now. It, it, yeah. it looks for all terms of purposes like it ain't happening. Yeah, that's unfortunate because I... <laughs> Like I, we talked about how fighters feel different, like Killer Instinct mm-hmm. feels a particular way compared to Injustice Two mm-hmm. to Dragon Ball Fighters, and Street Fighter was a game that I personally picked up and was in that bin of fighters where I just legitimately did not vibe with it. I just like the way combos were doled out. A lot of it's about damage output too. Damage output really is hit or miss for me. It's why I didn't like Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear okay. is a great fighting series, but originally up until strive which just came out this year guilty gear always had you do like these nine hit combos and you take like an eighth of their health bar and i'm sitting there going man it's high skill no reward this is brutal yeah, out nah. here uh, uh, so yeah with street fighter i felt similar in that way where there's a, a fine it's like got to scratch a very particular edge and maybe that's why this scene for fighting games hasn't grown as much but yeah just a lot of up in the air there. And if that Capcom leak is to be believed, which it's been accurate so far, we'll be getting a Street Fighter six at least. Mm. Maybe that'll maybe that'll drive with me a little bit more. Yeah, man. A little shot in the arm, see how it go. Mm. Number four. In a short interview by The Telegraph with Todd Howard, he provided a bit more insight on the status of the highly anticipated Elder Scrolls Six. Quote The new technology for Starfield, Creation Engine Two, is sort of built for both. It's like a new tech base. The vast majority of the development, uh, there, there's actually a typo. This is interesting. So I copy and pasted this whole quote here from the Telegraph, mm-hmm. and they actually, it's, it was, I fixed a bunch of typos and I missed one that was also there. <laughs> so this is, wow. Okay, it says the Look vast majority of our development, development work is on Starfield right now, but everybody works on everything. So the project's kind of intertwined. It's a good thing. Uh, it's good to think of the Elder Scrolls 6 as still being in a design phase, but we're checking the tech. Is this going to handle the things we want to do in that game? Every game will have some new suites of technology. So Elder Scrolls 6 will have some additions onto the Creation Engine 2 that the game is going to require. Todd also dipped his toes into talking about Indiana Jones, which is coming from Machine Games and a title he'll be serving as executive producer on. Quote, I think I originally pitched to George Lucas in 2009, and I've been trying to find a way to make that since. And I think the work Machine Games have done, they're just phenomenal developers and storytellers. And when I started talking to them about it, it was a good fit. We got the opportunity to talk to Lucas and Disney about it, and they were super excited. I really like Indiana Jones, but I never thought I'd have the opportunity to make a game. And you'll hear about that more in the future, but the team at Machine Games are the best team in the world to pull off this game, and they're doing a phenomenal job. It's a little bit of, a little bit of lip service there, Cog, but ultimately... <laughs> Home team. What do you, what do you think about uh, the Indiana Jones game? Uh, of course, Creation Engine 2 being used for Elder Scrolls 6. We haven't seen Creation Engine 2 really in action outside of some in-game cinematics, but right. what do you think of uh, Bethesda getting a little more tech-focused as well? I mean, there's a, a lot to really parse through here. Yeah, I, I like it. I like <laughs> it, man. I'm about the tech. I'm about the new engines, man. Let's 
You know, look, Bethesda is, I mean, their history is just, you know, the, 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 the franchises, the, the, you know, the iconic names, you know, they're great. And the only, if you want to say Achilles heel or mine we want to pick is always, but okay, well, maybe some things from a bug standpoint, you know, graphical fidelity, maybe, you know, not always the best looking games. They're always great. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to uh, mm -hmm. take anything away from them. But I'm always excited when I hear about that tech. And I remember when we saw the, what is it, the Starfield thing, and people were like, yo, that's that cinematic CG. And they were like, oh, no, that, that was all in engine. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, okay. So, you know, to see Starfield has that foundation with Creation Engine 2, and I, I just like to see them push forward and, and, and push boundaries with tech. And if Elder Scrolls 6 is using that, let's go. You know, let, let's yeah, see yeah. what you can do, man. Let's push the envelope. I, I want to see them... To me, there's nothing more exciting than Bethesda kind of unleashed, like, you know, yeah. now with Microsoft backing and, you know, you got God Howard with tech and it's like, <laughs> let's go, Let, let's go all the way with it. Like, I, I'm with it, man. So, you know, as far as the, you know, the second part with um the machine games thing, we know the history with them, great first person. I believe those, those guys did the, uh, was it Wolfenstein, right? Yes. They did it. Yeah, yeah those, those games are fast paced, 60, you know, balls to the wall, feeling it. So I'm curious to see what they do with that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm curious see the Indiana Jones franchise, how that works, and um, anything tech and, and new te uh, engine stuff, COG is in. So I'm, I'm about oh, yeah. it. I, I, I'm dying to know how this translates into graphical fidelity for the studio. But what about you? For Elder Scrolls 6, I've, I've said for a while that I believe this is going to be you see in Skyrim, and I know this may sound like a reach, but you see in Skyrim, they try to do these these bigger battles with the Civil War that's that's transpiring in there, and and it, it's it, it's there, it happens, and you know, I'm just thinking, I don't hear the enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's very 2011, right? It's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What, it, little, especially you know. you know back then, it's good for what it was, right? Yes, but yes, yes. Nowadays, you you look at it, and you go, okay, this could be more, and um. <laughs> I've always had the prediction that you look at Elder Scrolls Online and they have these, uh, uh, they have Cyrodiil PvP where there's tons mm -hmm. of big battles occurring and players are at war with each other. And I think with the way the plot is developing, if you will, for Elder Scrolls Six, mm -hmm. that there is going to be some type of war. You are going to be involved in that war. And I think one of the things that they're considering is how do we do these big scale battles mm -hmm. in this open world while everything else is going on? So that's one of the things that I imagine they're they're tapping into. Um, they also introduced a lot of the Radiant questline tech with Skyrim, and they tried to evolve that a little bit more with Fallout Four with the you know very popular uh, settlement needs your help, uh, mm -hmm. you know just that incidental meme. Uh, <laughs> so I got to talk to, to to John who does the voice work for him, and he's a phenomenal oh, guy. Uh, he's very he's very into the meme too, which he, he adored. <laughs> You know, I just I, I think that's maybe how they're looking to if I could speculate a little bit. That's how I think maybe they could carry it forward. But otherwise, you know, from what we saw with the Starfield trailer, I feel pretty good about things because a lot of people try to take away from it. But you said it, that CGI, they're like, oh, that's come on. That showed us nothing. Bro. And then when you find out it's in game, people go, Bro. whoa, sandwich was yeah. looking real. Yeah, right. Sandwich. It really was. <laughs> it really was, man. That shit looked good. That shit looked good. <laughs> Facts. Let's go. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, you've never said that about an Elder or any type of game from Bethesda Game Studios. They've been appreciated for other things. So, obviously, what we saw in that trailer probably won't represent what the actual game will look like. But, hey, if if the cutscenes look that good, I mean, that is a step forward for sure. You can already tell the animation work looked a, a lot cleaner, which is something that uh, Bethesda struggled with for many years. When you look at Fallout 3 and the way, if you were, like, 
running and then you start mm-hmm. going diagonal they wouldn't have an animation for running diagonal you would just glide along the ground yeah. left to right or right to left and you'd sort of just go up it's just yeah and then skyrim you would shift your body but your head would your head would be like it's just the most wild shit uh, so you know they 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 get a little more credit than than others for for simple yes. steps forward, but uh, I'm excited to see them sort of wash that away. Hopefully, on the Indiana Jones side of things, yeah, what you think about that? I'm actually pretty excited for this game just because I think it's a really big shakeup. I think yeah. new you know an IP that we haven't really seen in video games for some time mm-hmm. coming from an you know I know Todd's really saying like oh they got this phenomenal job. We haven't seen anything, so of course we can't say that, but. Mm-hmm. I would not associate them with this type of game at all, at all. Same, I just, same. I, because I'm, we don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be first person. That'd be kind of interesting, but right. I feel like you connect with Indiana Jones more, and it feels more like you're playing an Indiana Jones game if it's in third person. I'm with you. I mean, there's just so much there. We know it looks like it's going to be set in Rome or something like that, based off what we saw in mm-hmm. the in the art in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, these guys are known for these rip roaring. Yeah, uh, bloody games, and now they're making what could be a pretty lighthearted romp with Indiana <laughs> Jones, and it's gonna be a big change of pace. You know, puzzles are gonna probably be involved. Something that Wolfenstein never sniffed, and I'm just, True. I'm True. just wondering how this game's gonna go, man. I mean, I'm excited for it, but it's it's a curious pick in development. Yes. I, I really do think so. So I'm hoping that this just means someone on their team is you know very passionate about it. I agree. Very interesting choice, intriguing choice. Yeah, machine, right. Yeah. So not fully sold on. I by the way think Wolfenstein one and two are, are fantastic. Yes. So I'm sold on their quality level. I know some people have some gripes with Wolfenstein two and of course Young Blood, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not really concerned about their quality. It's just about the fit here. But the fit. Yep. I agree. You know, I their agree. creatives, they're probably inspired to be working on something like this, and I'm sure it won't be the last with Sea of Thieves teaming up with Disney, and then you got this here. I'm sure this won't be the last Lucasfilm thing we see with Xbox. Number five. Well, Xbox said after the E3 showcase that it would be arriving soon. Nobody knew when. As you are listening to this, Xbox Cloud Gaming is available to all Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members with Windows 10 PCs and Apple phones or tablets via the browser across 22 countries. Additionally, Xbox Cloud Gaming is now powered by custom Xbox Series X hardware, which allows streaming at 1080p and up to 60 FPS. Going forward, Team says in an Xbox Wire post that they will continue to innovate and add more features to enhance the cloud gaming experience. Have you had a chance to try this out, Cog? Yes, yes, yes. So I've done the... Now, I haven't tested since they've switched over to Series X, which is very recently. They've now officially yeah. announced it. But, um, you know, I use the tech a lot. I use the tech a like, lot. I'm the guy that I've got, I got my phone. I'm a Razor Kishi. I'm at the doctor's office. And, mm. Like, I, I look for it. Oh, I, I got to wait an hour? Okay, cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you I'm want that hour? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll be like, oh, cool. Like, now I look forward to waiting. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, you know, I messed around. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, I really enjoyed it. And, that, again, that was the only issue I had was that, again, it was the Xbox One S server blades right mm-hmm. so if i'm playing a game like for example i'm a big destiny guy so i'll play destiny i'm playing that 30 frames version mm-hmm. and stuff like that but from a latency standpoint and things like that everything was really playable so now the reports are coming out you're seeing the series x uh blades in the wild i'm seeing my uh, friends shout out to a couple of people you know 120 frames and on rainbow six siege and wow. you know you're seeing all this and, and people are really saying it is a dramatic difference and i know for a fact it is because when during the time before the server blade transition 
I actually was using the remote play, almost like a remote play Vita version of the mm. of the service, where I was going into, you know, from the doctor's office, <laughs> going into um, my personal Series X, which had the NVMe, which had the 60 frames, and I'm like, ah, this is what I'm talking yeah. about. The loading yeah. times is fast, everything is good. So I, I could already imagine just that in itself is going to make the experience more transformative. And the, the part that I think people are also losing sight of, because um, I think as much as people clown Stadia, the tech was good mm -hmm. from an in-browser standpoint. And like you, Maddie, I know you're not Mr. I'm going to be on the phone, right? <laughs> I know that's not you. Yeah, I got yeah. it, right? But there are going to be a, a subset of people where, you know, you just plug in that URL, you go into your browser, and you're able to play it full screen. And with Series X, with the higher frame rates, the higher fidelity, that's going to be a viable option for some people. And again, option and for, for regions that, again, might not be console heavy, this is something that people are going to look into. You throw Game Pass in it. And the last point I'll say mm -hmm. is, you know, besides the tablets, the browsers, another underrated thing I think people have to look out for is the TV game. You know, because we mm -hmm. know these smart TVs are out here. It's up to Microsoft to market it. It's up to Microsoft to say, hey, here's the Xbox Game Pass app. You know, mm -hmm. boom, for the $1, whatever. You get in, you get to try all these games. You get people in, you give them the carrot, right? You yeah, let yeah. them get a taste, and then boom, now you got them in. So... I think that's the long-term play, you know, for them to get that group of gamers that would never buy into an Xbox console or the ecosystem and now get into the, these different methods. But uh, wh what do you think, man, about, about this whole announcement? I was really excited because I had not gotten into any of the testing for it. I never got any emails about being invited into it. So this is my first ever time this week messing with it. So oh. I apologize if my reaction to the audience maybe seems a little delayed or it's like, yeah. you know, why is he surprised about this? I've, I've good. kind of not kept my ear close to the ground on it because I was very excited just to try it and lay my hands on it and go in as blind as possible. Obviously, you had like a general expectation, but I was thinking, you know, for me, my home internet, it's decent. It's, it's not bad. Um, We got Optimum. We got kind of like a family plan. No I think we got... I did a speed test on my phone and it said this would probably not be entirely accurate or fully utilized, but it was like, oh, you have, I think it's like 73 ping okay. and I want to say it was like 100 something download, but okay. I don't want to say that was super accurate. Point being is, you know, the, the, the internet's decent enough. So I give it a rip on my phone in my room where my wireless internet's just terrible at home, typically. I was playing Banjo-Tooie, no problem, man. It mm. was pretty crazy to me i was thinking and then i was like no way so i, I fire up something that probably would be a little less precise mm -hmm. like octopath traveler walk around okay. turn-based combat dude I was yes thinking to myself dude, this is perfect for this thing easily i think, think turn-based games are really gonna thrive there um i tried it here on this tablet mm -hmm. i played okay. uh played a, i tried out dark alliance made the mm -hmm. dive back into that um, just, you know, I, I, I blew my parents mind. I, I like, I went in there, I said, I'm going to show, I literally said, no, I was like, I'm going to show you the coolest shit ever. So I explained to them and they already know, cause they know I play a ton of games. I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm like playing off consoles. I said, yeah. I'm literally going to play those same games here on my tablet. And they were like, what is this? And they were, they couldn't <laughs> believe it, man. They thought I was performing some type of magic trick. Magic. Yeah. And I look good. It, 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 you know, there was decent latency, Right. Uh, for what it was, especially on my home internet. I have yet to test it here. This is the main place I wanted to give it a rip. We pay for yeah. files internet here. Let's and, go. Um, you know, that's some of the best internet you can get. So mm -hmm. I'm going to really give it a, a good try. And I plan to make a video on it just talking about it because 
I've never yeah. had an opportunity to lay my hands on it. And I've been really impressed with it because it also brings the possibility of if you're a PC player, you've never had an Xbox, you can play Gears now on PC. You can play Fable 2, Fable 3 on PC. I mean, that's exciting. Um, so there's mm -hmm. that level of accessibility. And of course, we know come those next gen games like Redfall, like Starfield, it's going to work backwards where, hey, you got an Xbox One, you don't have the new console yet can stream it if your internet holds up and that's that's huge man i mean i i was playing it and i'll say i when i played it it was more like this isn't my ideal way of experiencing it but if i don't got if i have decent internet but i don't have 500 600 bucks to throw at a console right now even with the xbox all access program and all that stuff making it hard to not say like hey let me buy in of course the limited availability those options may be more difficult to find the fact that i can try it and maybe yes. even just gauge interest and be like, I like this. And when I get my Series X, I'm going to buy this game with it. Right. That's right. huge. Not only that, no downloads. You just click the game. It's like, we're preparing your stream experience. Boom. Boom. There it is. I'm like, what? This, there's yeah. a lot about it that was really cool to me. Really, really cool. And like I said, my reaction may be a bit delayed, but I've right. only been able just to talk about it until now I can no. say I've experienced it. That's pretty, it's pretty cool. And um, another last point I want to say about it, um, you know, with, with you, you nailed it with, uh, older hardware like the base xbox one right mm -hmm. you know uh i think phil he just recently did an interview and you know shout out to ryan and those guys and and basically he talked about that is a big initiative for them where you look at something like a microsoft flight simulator we know damn well the base xbox one is not running that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. look at the series x is going to do 30 frames per second yeah. you know what i'm saying so they're looking at it because they're so on game preservation and bringing everyone forward an option for a lot of the older consoles will be streaming and they, he did mention that specifically so it's something that they want to get behind and um yeah i i, I think it's, it's pretty cool like you said is it for everyone is it the perfect experience for everyone no but it's an option and for some people it's going to appeal to the key for them is going to be how in my opinion they market and make people aware of the game pass game streaming game yeah. you know ultimate combo kind of thing so that's what i meant absolutely one of the questions we got about this comes from mike poe hey dukes any advice for a diehard tv and controller mm -hmm. person looking to give xbox cloud streaming on a tablet a go the big hangups for me are quote where would my tablet go end quote and quote where are there any good peripherals or accessories that would enhance the experience end quote there are times my wife takes over the TV for the evening and I'd like to continue the fun on a tablet, but I'm such a cranky, change-fearing curmudgeon who is stuck in his ways. Thanks, and have a step in the water while wearing your socks kind of day. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Uh, what do you think? Uh, do you have any any tech in mind for this? Uh, you know, he's, he's saying tablet, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, it depends, obviously, if he's, um, you know, obviously uh, Apple, you know, so you want to go through the, the, the browser setup you know, Bluetooth uh, controller right. with, with your Xbox, you know, kind of thing. Also, I will say, I was actually very impressed with the Xbox One headset, the new one, mm. in, as far as um, utilizing that, you know, with a tablet, with a laptop, stuff like that. I've actually been trying it out, and it was actually pretty cool. So I would say that if you're in that, you know, in the uh, in the ecosystem. A lot of people, a lot of my friends initially, um, when xCloud came out, they were not the phone guys. They were like, look, I want a bigger screen so whether it be on the android side you know 10 inch tablet or whatever or, or on the uh, apple side so yeah i think i think 
that's the the best way to go. There is I don't have off top a couple of the, uh, mm-hmm. the models, you know, that I would recommend. But um, okay, there there are I believe a couple of articles like if you search like best tablet for you know what you call it uh, X Cloud and stuff. There's a there's a couple of people that have like their top three, top five. There's a couple of but yeah. What, what do you think for them? Um, you think you should uh give it a shot? Yeah, yeah. So uh, first thing is that I don't even know if you need to do Xbox Cloud streaming. I guess it would be a form mm-hmm. of it, but there is remote play. So if you're in the same yes. room as your wife or your yes. console is, you can literally stream from your console to your tablet um, in a more direct manner. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's pretty easy to set up. I was just double checking it. I do want to borrow a suggestion that Carrick made, which is a pretty Mm -hmm. low cost buy-in compared to like this iPad here, which I use for like all my work from writing our game to, to, to Mm -hmm. writing the show. And, and it's literally my companion. Like, I don't know how, I I don't know how I went like 10 years without this thing, but we managed. Uh, But I know that's a big investment, right? Um, and so I suggest the Amazon Fire Tablet. Uh, this mm. is one that's compatible with with xCloud, um, with the, the the later versions, of course, uh, with like Android 9.0. And it would have its own dedicated app, so it wouldn't even run through the browser. That's the other cool thing. Um, so you could fire this up, try it out for yourself, and see what it's all about. And it would not be a, a huge buy-in. It would be in the 70. I'm looking now. There's a, there's a Fire HD uh, 8 tablet. Um, I'm not sure. You would have to check certain websites to see what would work best this is a 2020 release though and it's 71 dollars on amazon okay uh, free shipping so you know these are these are ones that you can take a look at and uh and and you could easily just bluetooth your controller to the tablet at least that's how it worked on on apple but um i i can't imagine the process is much different for something like amazon Um, but you could link it up and then you could play uh so Overall, the setup might cost you like a hundred bucks or so. And um, from what I've played, especially with you, where it seems like you're not on the go, where you'd be like cog at the doctor's office or whatever, mm-hmm. but you'd be able to to fire this up in the living room with your wife while she watches a show. You could leave your console on and stream Good it point. straight to this tablet and keep yep. playing it. Um, I would recommend if you're watching the video version, I have one of these kind of folios that like has a a nice, back to it yes. that kind of gives that. it like mm-hmm. a, a kickstand almost, puts yes. it on an angle. So you don't have to like rest it in your lap or whatever. Um, that would probably be good for you to have. And um, I don't know what the wireless headphone connectivity is like for an Amazon tablet. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for that to accompany it, so you don't distract your wife as well. Yes. So you know you might want to look into a pair of headphones that syncs up with it. Um, whether you, ca- I don't personally care about a wire when I'm playing a game. I always have yeah. one of these just dangling over my mm-hmm. shoulder or whatever. So it doesn't matter. But um, just be sure to check that out. I can't make any specific recommendations on that because I don't know the compatibility. Um, but those would be my picks personally for a, a cheap buy and to try it out for yourself and, and let us know when you, when you give it a girl, a go, how it works for you. So we'd love to hear from you, Mike. Definitely. Number six. All right. July Xbox games with gold. <laughs> I am, uh, I am forever. <laughs> You're bubbling with enthusiasm. Yeah. You know, y'all, I hear you right now. I am forever thrilled to see what they put together for these lists man because it's just incredible so available from july 1st to the 31st is planet alpha available from july 16th to august 15th is rock of ages 3 make and break then available july 1st to the 15th conquer live and reloaded last but not least midway arcade origins is available july 16th to the 31st Mm-hmm. Cog, what do you, what do you make of some of these games? Here, yeah. you have thoughts <laughs> <laughs> about that. <laughs> look, man, we 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 know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We, we games ago. You know, look, I'm an OG. I'm a 
I'm a gen, I'm a Gen Xer, so I, maybe I, I look at the Midway Arcade <laughs> or shit <laughs> just to see what's going on from back in yesteryear, you know, kind of yeah. thing. But yeah, you know, games mm. ago they've been my thing, man. I just, yeah. I just. You know, Roma. I think they're just honestly in a transition period with mm-hmm. this thing, and you know, but you clearly, know, so, yeah. you know, just people. Is there anything that's uh, ca- catching your eye there, sir? Conquer, I guess. Conquer, yeah, yeah, yeah conquer. conquer. Yeah, yeah, that's what always happens. You have like this one hang up, and then you probably got like, I, I bet someone's gonna write in and say, "Well, Maddie Ray, Rock of Ages three is actually quite good. It's pretty fun, right? Right. That, right. that just happens every time. I, I sit here, yep. I, I throw the list down the tubes. I'm like, this is not that great. We know it's <laughs> happening. I repeat myself, and then someone goes, "Well." Guess what, Maddie? Planet Alpha is actually a ten out of ten. I look it up. I'm like, no way. Mm-hmm. And that's decently reviewed game. Yeah, salute, salute. It's a part of my ignorance, but yeah, it's it's just clear <laughs> where they're at. And of course, yeah, I like think that to, we'd rather yeah. see these games being in Game Pass. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I'm also going to add one item to our news list. This will actually be eight because mm-hmm. um, we're going to, of course, talk about Bluebird Team in a little bit um, and yeah, just man. what's going on with them. But um, first, I want to talk about trouble on the indie front um, where, yeah, we've seen a a pretty interesting development here, man. And um, you brought this to my attention. So thank you for that, because uh, we otherwise would not have had it in the show if you didn't throw it in the doc. So this is from Ian Garner, who is the co-founder of Neon Doctrine, a video game publisher. And they, like I said, posted a thread on Twitter, which described the experience of listing an indie game on the PlayStation Store um, presumably the PlayStation Store. I would presume right. it, right. it, it, it seems Allegedly. that way. We'll read the whole yeah. Twitter thread. Normally, I like Let's to summarize, go. but I I think people should just hear it word for word yeah. um, because it, it's involving a direct experience. So Ian says, okay, I'm mad enough to burn some bridges because honestly, what's the point of a bridge that I'm not allowed to cross? So here's a thread about Platform X. I will not be defining Platform X, but it's the operator of a very successful console and does not have Game Pass. So, so yeah that to me one <laughs> to me points to playstation i would imagine right. it's possible it's a switch right but um as we get deeper in i think it becomes more apparent platform x gives developers no ability to manage their games in order to get your promotion you must jump through hoops beg and plead for any level of promotion and a blog is not as good as they think it is that would playstation by the way if platform x doesn't like your game no fanfare no feature no love there is nothing you can do to fix this. Wish lists have no effect, so all your personal marketing means nothing to Platform X. All that matters is their evaluation. How is this evaluation done? Don't know. They don't share that, nor will they share the value they ascribe to my game. So before you launch, you need to develop your game for Platform X, get through their incredibly difficult lot check, spread over three generations of backend software, submit a Platform X specific trailer, write a Platform X blog, which submit multiple forms for social media. Oh, four, three, and four, which is submit a Platform X specific trailer and Platform X blog. Um, it says you need to go through an account manager. When I asked how to get to an account manager, we were told, I'm not sure they are assigned by resources. So mm. continuing on, by the way, you cannot even do a launch discount without their approval. And it is quote, very limited end quote. That's right. You can't do the thing that every other platform does, meaning the Platform X owners will always get the worst deal. Oh, but don't worry. There's a very there's a way to guarantee you get featured. All you need to do is spend a very reasonable minimum of twenty five thousand U.S. dollars to get featuring. Oh, and then thirty percent of your subsequent earnings. Bargain. 
Now, when your game is on the platform, likely without any support from Platform X, you may think, no problem, I can sync up discounts on Platform X with Steam and others. Wrong. Discounts are invite only, and invites are also very limited. I apologize, this is a long thread, but we only got a couple more tweets left. Very interesting here. It's been literally years since we could put a title of ours in discount, and I spoke to some other very popular devs today, and they had the same experience. So even if your game does well at launch and thrives on the other platforms, you you may still never be invited. Why? Who knows? In conclusion, Platform X is super successful and awesome hardware, but their backend and process is straight out of the early 2000s. I have no idea how to succeed on this platform, and they won't tell me. Even if I do succeed, they may screw me anyways, which that's probably the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah. So for any gamers who have wandered in here, Next time you're unhappy about your game never being discounted at Platform X or a game you want not launching on Platform X, please go and complain to Platform X. I'm going to walk my dogs and calm the fuck down. I may not. Have, I may have more thoughts later. Please bear in mind, I am an English-speaking British guy who can travel the world, attend showcases, shake hands, and meet with those in power in these situations. If this is my experience, imagine what it's like for someone without my level of privilege. Mm. So, Cog, once again, thank you for sending this my way because I think this is a really important thing for us to get into. As someone who is, you know, we're very in our early stages of development, but as someone working on a game, obviously we'd be indie. Yes. This is concerning. I find this concerning on a personal level, but of course, as someone who's on the outside looking at the well-being of other devs, Mm -hmm. I find it... I find it pretty pretty nerve-wracking that, you know, it, 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 we talk about algorithm for YouTube. This is a whole other level, man. So Talk about it. You know, you're the one who put this in my direction, so I want to pass yeah. it off to you. What do you feel about the the trouble on the indie front here? I mean, this is... Shout-out to Attic. He, he brought it to my attention. And mm-hmm. um, Lane, I actually know personally. You know, Lane is a person... Um, I believe he was prior with another indie was the name of their... They, they went through a, a, a shift, a transformation. They had, I believe, a game. It was kind of like a Dark Souls-y uh, indie version called uh, Sinner Sacrifice. Mm. Very cool game. It did pretty well. They had a lot of cool indie games that did. They really punched above their weight, Okay, I felt. And it was one of those, uh, I would go to a PAX East or you know E3, and I would see their booth, and they would always surprise us. They would always have some good stuff and mm. decent relationship with them. He's always been cordial to I on those podcasts and stuff. But, yeah, when we saw this thread, you know, I had brought to my attention. He's like, yo, Lane's going off. What's going on? So I'm like, all right, let me see what's going oh, on. Oh, his name's Lane. I apologize. I yeah, no, fine, I, mean, I used to butcher his name. Yeah. <laughs> Addict's man. So Addict tell me it's Lane. I'm yeah. like, all right, it's Lane. Right. So, um, yeah, like, you know, it, it it's interesting because obviously, you know, allegedly we can assume that it is PlayStation that is being mentioned here, you know, as far as the process, as far as getting the stuff. You know, the thing I want to point out just for clarity is the, the whole 25K part, I believe. Um, from what I was told, Microsoft also does have a fee in that vein also. Mm-hmm. So I know there's a point of contention on the interwebs about that. Okay, fine. But to me, the bigger issue is, you know, the process of getting your game seen, visibility, yeah. and why do we have to go through hoops to kind of to be heard? And I know you, you're making a game. And these are the things that concern you because, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make this a dump on PlayStation Fest, but I remember... During the beginning of the PlayStation 4 era, right? And you see the things like Resogun, we're talking about Housemark, mm-hmm. right? They seem to be like embracing indie culture and making that the place. And at the time, if you recall, Xbox was way behind the ball. Yeah, like yeah. the idea at Xbox thing was in the infancy stages yeah. and things of that nature. So I, the problem I struggle with is one, not getting answers for just clarity. What What's the criteria to be featured? Also, 
discounts. Like if you can't discount your game and you're still at that price, like That's it huge, really man. puts you, yeah. yeah, it puts you at a competitive disadvantage. So these these are concerning. These, and I'm I'm seeing a lot of the indie developers get behind Lane right now, and, and you know, and tweet stuff out, and you know, some are saying they've had similar experiences and things like that. And you know, I'm curious because again, you said you're making a game, mm -hmm. and you know, what what do you think about this? Like as far as like you know, trying to get your game on the storefront, visibility, and all of this stuff. Yeah, of course, the the cost is something that I assumed was a thing, right? You you always assume, like, that's, I want to make it clear that that'd be the least of, of my problems in the terms of, like, what to expect. It's more so, like you said, the visibility. Mm -hmm. It's not like, I didn't imagine it this way, but it's not like YouTube where once your video starts popping off, like, it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. Right. Like, it, it, it very much is a situation where I feel like the, the the deck is already stacked against you. It's already such a high risk business. I feel like it's the duty of these platform holders to try to get your game out there. And obviously, no matter what, some games will fail, some games will succeed. Not everyone can hit these home runs. It's not what we're asking for. But general discounts to say like, hey, I want to competitively price my product. Like it is at twenty bucks. It's been out for half a year. Christmas is rolling around. We want to put this thing at $10. We want to cut right. the price in half and get more players in, get more people talking about it. That should not be a battle because it's your product. It's your choice. You should be able to knock it down. It's just that simple. Like you yeah. should just choose it. And it, it, it either way, it, I don't think PlayStation should really have a say in it. Right. I will touch on the idea that, because I, I, I almost forgot this part. Mm -hmm. Well, $25,000 is a lot of money to get featured on the PlayStation storefront it does give your game a lot of exposure, but I think it's a step too far when they're like, we're also going to take like a, a, another cut of your earnings. Yeah. I think, I think that's once again, just say like, it's, it's almost punishing you for getting more sales. Yeah. It's like, if you want us to, to pay us, us to pay $25,000 to be on your storefront, sure. But we're investing so that we have that exposure to sell more copies of the game and they already get a cut. So they're taking yeah. more of that. Cut. I mean, yeah, it, um, or maybe not even more. It just may be that same cut. Right. We're not sure on that. Uh, but from my perspective, I've said this before that, of course, I can't guarantee this. My goal with my game is like, I want it to be day one game pass. I, you know, I want to go through that program because I believe in exposure. But the yeah. difference here is what we're seeing is Xbox is saying, if I came to them with my game, it's not guaranteed. But we've heard developers say, you approach them with your game. Here's our game. We want to put it on game pass. Right. Xbox will pay you. Yes. That is the difference. They will say, like, what mm -hmm. do you need? And it's not like they're just they're they're just this charity fund. Of course, right. you've got to do something for them. You've got to be bringing something that's interesting to them. Of course. But the difference here is some developers can make that finish line. Some developers don't yes. get put out of work because of this. They don't get into a stressful position because of this. That's, I think, and once again, like, like Cox said, we don't want to turn this into a PlayStation Dunk Fest. But I think mm -hmm. as platform holders, that is your bare minimum obligation with these smaller devs coming in. With AAA, right. be more selective on your promotion, of course. Like that's a multi-million dollar investment. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to these smaller guys who need what are essentially pennies to these corporations in mm -hmm. the thousands, I feel like all they need is exposure. Because a lot of times these, these indie games are trying things that others aren't and they're at the right price tag they can hit. So for mm -hmm. me, man, like I just look at what Xbox is doing with ID at Xbox. And I've said this before. I've said it in videos. I think I said it last week on the podcast here. You're going to see a swing in, 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 in the, the winds of change are blown through the indie scene. You're going to mm -hmm. see them start going to Xbox because they're signing up exclusives. They're signing up day one game pass. There's just way more ways to secure your funding. And as someone who's making a game I can tell you right now, I'm keeping my eye on Xbox 100%. Not because I just run this show. 
But because my goal is to keep like any other business owner, my goal is to keep and protect mine and mine own. And and that's the goal, right? You want to get your game out. You don't want to sink yourself in the process. And if someone can ensure that, you take that opportunity for sure. And PlayStation is not providing that right now. Yeah, I mean, just to to double down, you're on fire, bro. Um, you know, from what again, from what we hear as far as Game Pass and and, and these type of stuff, like you know, obviously every situation is different. But to your point, right? Like again, I, last time I was here I, I, with you guys, I mentioned, um, you know, until the end as a game, and mm. it was a game was near and dear to me because at the end of the day, I loved the concept. It went away. I didn't know what happened, and then they kind of resurfaced and you know, they were able to get in Game Pass. I remember cheering for them. I was like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. this is cool because they couldn't get across the finish line. They presented it to Microsoft and then they were able to get their money, so to speak, up front, allowed them the security to then finish the project and, and get that thing out. And then you talk about Game Pass, you talk about the exposure, you talk about being on the storefront, sharing the storefront with all these other big games, you know what I'm saying, whether it be Gears, Halo 4s or whatever. And that that's huge. That's huge. And it's a beneficial. Now, granted, not every game is going to be accepted to Game Pass and every deal is different, but I'm with you on independent developers being able to be worked with and have the opportunity to put, be in a competitive space. Right. So, you know, all, when all you want to do is get your game discounted or just allow it to to, to have a, a semi-equal playing field with others and you prevent it with all these robots. I think the thing that, that frustrated me the most when reading Lane's thing was that he doesn't seem to be getting a lot of communication back as to what he needs to do. Because mm. it's Good one point. thing, you know what I'm saying, to say, Good okay, point. yo, you can't, right? But it's one thing if no one's answering. Like, you're calling customer support, so to speak, and no one's saying, yo, why isn't this working? Or why isn't it? And then you got to go talk to another dev and say, hey, are you having this issue? Like, that's a structural issue, in my opinion. You know, again, we're hearing one side. You know, I want to be, you know, again, not making it a dunk fest, but it that's the part that concerns me. Of you know, are other indies going through this on that storefront? Because, you know, it, it would be surprising to me because they were... You know, PlayStation always considered them, especially the PS4. Like they were the indie champion. They oh were God, really yeah. doing well. So with many it. good ones. So I, I, I'm worried about the focus shift. Are we this? Are we getting back into this blockbuster only thing? And mm-hmm. we're not. You know, you know how this is going. So I, I, I'm glad we were able to talk about. It. I wanted, I wanted to get your, 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 your feedback on it because this is definitely a hot one. That's that's on the internet right yeah, now. Yeah, and it's it's super important to tackle because you know mm-hmm. you're just seeing the pendulum swing back and forth when it comes to this this mm-hmm. indie game and 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 these developers, like I said, they're smaller, so twenty five thousand dollars that's a lot of money, no matter who you are. I think unless you're one of these big yeah. corporations, and you're like ah, whatever. So I think if anything, maybe adjust the rules for the indies, like make it ten thousand. Right. Maybe that's a little more easy for them to stomach if they have a publisher mm-hmm. like a Devolver at their back or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see if PlayStation responds at all, which I, I doubt they will. And mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see what Nintendo does with their yes. indies because they're also a very attractive indie platform and a lot of people flock to them. And in fact, we've seen games like launch on Steam do well, and then they come mm-hmm. to Switch and they just sell like triple the amount. Um, right. So there's a scene there as well. And yes. um, there's a hunger for it from their fan base where, you know, there, there's something percolating there for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Number eight. Bloober team, oh boy! So, Cog, I, 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 you haven't heard, but but I, I make it very clear that uh, that when it comes to Bloober and the medium, we are not fans. We are not fans. <laughs> you not, not that bag right there. Uh, we make it very clear. You know, usually I'm not on that rude grind, but I make oh, it very clear that that the medium was 
insultingly boring. Yeah, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone, yeah. for sure. Did you like it, by the way? That <laughs> was okay. Uh, I'm, 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 no, 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 bro, no. You're not dunking. Don't get me wrong. I'm being nice. I'm being respectful. Mm. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I and my only, my main issue was the the dual world thing. I was like, kind of feel a little gimmicky, mm-hmm. to be honest. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I was expecting a more transformative experience. Like, yo, there's two worlds. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is camera angles and uh, okay cool i don't not saying it ain't no you know difficulty in making two worlds render but hey, i'm with you like i wasn't like oh my this is the greatest nah we so this is why you're here right i'm the rough yeah. edge and you just you just rounded me out and you do a smooth cut there you were just like hold up so, man i got this so i got you bro I got you. all right so we now have a pretty good idea of what they're doing next first i want to go back to a report on ign from february of 2021 where in an interview with GameIndustry.biz, Bluebird team said they were working on another horror IP with a very famous publisher. And they said that we've been doing this for more than a year on another gaming project, another horror IP. And they can't tell you who, they can't tell you what the project is, but I'm pretty sure when people realize we're working on it, they will be very excited. Um, and the rumor has been Silent Hill. And then today, as we got ready to record this, we got a, a new update here that Konami and Bluebird team, who have made the medium, Blair Witch, Observer, have announced a strategic cooperation agreement that will see the two companies developing games together, which would obviously think lean more into that they're making a Silent Hill game. The report has also been that Konami is just outsourcing their IP to tons of different partners, right. uh, which is which is interesting, but that there's also potential of multiple Silent Hill projects being developed. This Hmm. I don't think necessarily erases Blue Box, but I think given the type of game that Bluebird Team makes, they have only made horror games. Yeah. And then teaming up with Konami, you can likely safely assume, kind of like our last story, I think it could connect the dots safely enough to go ahead and talk with a sense of legitimacy of Silent Hill is mm-hmm. is going to, to Bluebird Team. Mm. I'm excited to see. I'm, I'll... I'll put it this way. I'm happy I'm not a Silent Hill fan right now because yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think this would be a move that makes me feel confident. Gotcha. I just, I don't think Bluebird Team's all that great. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, they've had, they're the type of developer that they they seem to keep cooking away and they seem to, they, they're, they're like the sniper ghost warrior of horror <laughs> games. <laughs> they just, they just <laughs> have found this pocket where, where people are like, this is my kind of horror experience and, right, right, right. and that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. I think once again, as a as a dev, you, it's probably all you can ask for. Really, is no like, doubt, hey, no we got our audience, and it's right. brought them to here with a very popular IP, which can bring them to a new level. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering if Microsoft and their history of blooper now with Medium, I wonder if they're knocking mm-hmm. on the door, going, hey, let me in. I'm, I want a little bit of this this uh, mm-hmm. right here. I'm just wondering there. Uh, but but Kyle, I want to want to pass it off to you. Yeah. What do you think of Konami? Number one, getting back into the, the video game space. But do you have any history also with with Silent Hill, I mean the original two. Yes, yeah, I, I remember playing those. Those are big for its time. The fog and the mm. the different style of horror. I've always felt it was that, you know, it was a different, darker horror than the kind of Resident Evil, the initial early entries. So I, I mean, I liked it. You know, right. as it went on, I kind of waned on my Silent Hill love, and then I kind of fell out of love with it. Mm. So initially strong, and then as it kept on, no. But I hear you on the Bluebird thing, like. 
I feel for people who are like hardcore Silent Hill because I don't know if they like doing flips for this, right? I don't know if they're mm-hmm. doing flips based on, you know, the Bloober team situation and, and the medium, right? So, you know, to Bloober's credit, you know, they, like you said, they find their their lane, their niche as far as what they want to do. And I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't medium kind of like tap into one of the Silent Hill creators or some type of... Oh, the, uh, I think the soundtrack. Yeah, I like the say. sound or something. I want to say something they've leaned in. So they they're kind of hints to me. They're a little bit of um, tea leaves that you know they they've been a fan of the series that they've been inspired by it kind of thing. So you know I, I, I'm willing to give it a shot. I think for me though, I, I gotta be brutally honest though, Maddie. I need I need that engine, bro. Like, <laughs> I need it. Like I need it to look because that that was another thing. I was just like, damn. Like I, I conceptually, I see what they were trying to do mm-hmm. with the medium, but I just need an engine set up. I need the the real production value, and, and and really to take it to the next level to give respect to that franchise. You yeah. know what I mean, so you know that's why I'm at. I'm not doing flips of it. I'm very curious how the Silent Community, Silent Hill mm-hmm. Community, feels about this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because that's a hardcore. That's a ravenous bunch. They out here anything. They hungry, what, yeah, what, what was the studio that was uh, caught in the crossfire that everybody was all up in Blue arms box. about? Blue Box. Blue Box, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that's going to be the one. Is the Silent Hill community going to be feeling this? That, that's what I want. Yeah, because what's happening here, and by the way, you were correct, uh, the, the, the composer for Silent Hill, Akira Yamaoka, uh, was mm-hmm. the one who composed the music for the medium. Right. Uh, and I think that's where some of the disappointment had, uh, yes. had leaned into. Yes, yes. But what you're possibly seeing, let's say, because... There's a chance, of course, we, we, we may have our answer eventually with what, what's going on with Kojima and, and, and Blue Box. So obviously we don't want to dive too deep into it. Mm-hmm. But there's always the possibility that Blue Box is exactly what they look like, which is this team that had a failed Kickstarter of about like $200 and, and they didn't seem to attract much attention. But the, the companies surrounding them are that of very big, important projects. But let's say they are exactly what they look like. You've effectively licensed out Silent Hill to two developers that that really don't kill it, and um, well, they kill it, but they, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's, that's wrong, that's wrong, but <laughs> but uh, that's what a shot, that's what a shot. <laughs> it was too good to leave hanging. <laughs> I love it, I love it, it's funny. But uh, I I don't know how I feel about their partners of choice. We'll see if Blue Box ends up being a legit developer. This this statement could flip on its head immediately, but right yeah. now, not super crazy about it. We'll see how it goes in the long run and. I'm curious what that means for the likes of Metal Gear and other Konami IP, uh, Contra, Castlevania. Castlevania joining a Nuts Renaissance. We know they've been doing collections. We saw them do like a Contra collection. Um, We're now seeing a listing online of a Castlevania Advance collection, uh, which would take all the Game Boy Advance games and and probably do kind of what Mega Man Zero did and and Mm -hmm. kind of squeeze down the image a bit to play it on the big screen. Um, That'll be awesome to see. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so Konami's getting back into the gaming space, and I'm I'm very excited to see what else they do because they have these great IP, and I think they're doing what's ideal, right? Just hand them out to people who care, right? Obviously, right. Konami has shown, as it stands now, they don't care. So hand them <laughs> the people who care and collect your check, True. right? Yeah, yeah. That's what it seems like it's doing, man. Yeah. I just hope that, like I said, the execution happens, and, and, mm. and again, make sure you give proper reverence and respect to these franchises. They deserve it. It's an iconic franchise. I agree. So that's it for our news this week. A pretty, pretty exciting week. Lots happening. 
And now we move into our Game Pass slash Back and Pat pick of the week. This week, we got a Game Pass pick of the week for you. And of course, as a new co-host, Cog, I want to go ahead and have you put your pick in. What are you suggesting people download this week? I got I to gotta rock with your squad, man. I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't play it at launch, but... um. Doom Returnal, man. Like Your first time, all right. Yeah, man. I, I was out there fragging, and, and it's the perfect time right now because, again, I missed out at the launch. You know, got the Game Pass situation, but you got the new modes, bro. You got the, the, the three new graphical fidelity modes. I think they got the ray tracing mode. They mm -hmm. got a performance mode. So I fired that bad boy up. Looks phenomenal on Series X, man. This thing is moving and shaking. I'm I'm doing the kills. I'm, I'm ripping people <laughs> apart. I'm, I'm like, yo, this is this is crazy. Like yeah. it just it's yeah. just mindless, you know, fun with just great music and you know you jamming out mm -hmm. and and it's just it. I think it doesn't take itself seriously enough, you know, which yeah. is where's in that nice mix. But um, yo, if you haven't messed around with it, it's it's a te technical showcase. You got your your VRR. It looks beautiful. I got a flex on my CX OLED right now. It's, <laughs> it's looking like if you got that variable refresh rate, bro, you out here shining. You're yeah. looking good, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> HDR 10, everything is good. And even affectionately, we call it a uh, little man. The Series S, two graphics mode. They got a performance mode, fidelity mode. I believe they're rocking at a uh, 1440. And uh, I think they're doing 60. I think they even, oh, yeah, 120. They got 120 mode oh. on S, on Series S, too. Yeah. So, bro, like, anybody who missed out, you know, Joe, fire that up. A good Game Pass game as well as right now, this week, that update drops. So you really get that optimization on next-gen consoles. So do return for me. Yeah, man. I played this game when it came out, and I was not. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see how the conversation on Doom Eternal shifted. I was one of the mm -hmm. people who said, I don't really, I like Doom 2016. It was a good game, mm -hmm. but felt like it, got on, it dragged on a little too long. Dragged I felt the much. way that they, they doled out upgrades and exploration wasn't that good. And people were like, well, it's Doom. You know, they need to do, they need to do less of that. They need to be in your right. face. It's fine. Then Eternal comes around and I think they, they mastered the formula. They're like, you know, we got the action. We got the exploration. We got the collectibles. We got the hub base. You know, you got your moments of quiet and downtime. Mm -hmm. And I think because the product shows so much, is I started to see people shift a little bit, not generally speaking, but like mm -hmm. I would just see more often now than not, people would start to shift to my line of thinking with how 2016 was you know, just not as good. Oh, like it was a great game. It was a great start, great framework, and they built on it, so I'm happy it exists. But uh, it, you know, it just playing Eternal, even if you haven't played 2016, just dive into Eternal. It just takes that formula, turns it up a notch. There's not really a story there. You're deeply tracking. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, eternal take. The, here's the thing, though. If you do care, I don't know if you've ever messed around with it, Cog. Mm -hmm. The codex, though, the the entries. Oh. Dude, these are deeper than some RPGs. Really? It's you, you don't got to read them all word for word. Mm -hmm. I certainly did. it, But just appreciate the word count in some of these bad boys. Mm. A lot of thought put in this universe. And okay. I give them a big tip of the cap for that because a game's not about that at all. It's not. But they did put the time and effort into writing all that up. And there is something there for those who care. And it is worth a look. Uh, yeah. Have you ever messed around with the battle mode, the uh, the multiplayer mode for for Doom Eternal? I have not yet. I got to tell you, I've not yet. Talk to me. I'm not crazy about it. I kind of like okay. their more. That's the one thing with 2016 that I liked more than than Eternal was oh, was okay. that was more traditional PvP combat. This is you know you have a Doom Slayer. It, it pretty much takes the campaign experience and tries to extend it into a multiplayer environment. So you'll mm -hmm. have like a Doom Slayer, and then everyone can play as all different demons, and it's a mm -hmm. really cool idea. Uh, but for me, it just didn't shake out in a way that was fun 
Um, it right. felt like you hop it. You, I'm curious if you'll have the same reaction if you do end up messing around with it. Where I hopped in for oh, yeah. two matches, went all right. No, I'm good. I'm gonna go back and play the single player campaign. <laughs> that did single player. Because yeah. the thing that was appealing about the multiplayer in 2016 was it just took all these weapons and turned it into arena combat, kind of mm. like Quake Champions. And you're like, oh, this is good. You know, you just can kind of find a new level of mastery. But it felt like it felt different enough from from the campaign, whereas mm. this just felt like an extension of it. So it gotcha. it lost its identity a bit for me. But this is a great pick, man. And I highly recommend those of you who have yet to download it, go mm-hmm. get yourself some Doom Eternal. Yes. Especially the next gen update. It's looking get fire. That update. And that, that update's been long anticipated. They've, they've been talking about that for a while. So it's finally here. Man, really looks good. And the DLC's out. We gotta throw that yes. in there too. So if you end up and, really liking it. Yeah, ray tracing, bro. It's one of the few that, that's got ray tracing mode. Yeah. Five ending questions to wrap this show up. Thank you all once again for writing in. First one comes from Game Simp. Hey, Swingin' Dukes. Would you rather have a game nail its beginning or end? I ask because many have claimed that Resident Evil 8, this is no spoilers, by the way, it's just location-based, so for yes. those listening, don't worry, should have opened with the factory section and ended with the castle area. Personally, I would rather have a strong opening and a weak ending because early engagement is key for a game to grab my full interest. Ideally, one would ask for a strong opening, middle, and ending, like Ghost of Tsushima, which, by the way, is incredibly difficult to do in an open-world game. But alas, this is a privilege only few games can offer. Now, of course, we want to have both, but you got to yes, pick yes. one, Cog. I mean, what? Ooh. Shout out to Game Simp. This is a great question. Mm-hmm. I, um, this is what I thought, because I thought of two distinct gaming experiences on both sides of the pendulum where I felt extremely strong, mm-hmm. right? So overall, gun to my head, I'm going to say game start, right? Okay. Because I do feel it needs to grab you and you need to feel connected because I, I think... That first 20 to 30 minutes, me personally, where I'm at as a gamer now, I can tell whether or not I'm going to commit. Yeah. I'm going to tell whether or not I'm into this. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, this ain't for me. You know what I'm saying? So that's important. But I will I will give a caveat in the sense that, now, you know, we we, we big Mass Effect fans here. Mm-hmm. And I remember, see, now the, the, this new generation has the luxury of playing Legendary Edition all the yeah. way through with all the enhancement and the enhanced ending of Mass Effect 3, which we had to wait for. Yeah. Right. So without spoiling for those who have not done it, but that was a game that, you know, the ending, <laughs> it was so not liked <laughs> at one point that Bioware was forced to make an extended version and, and update it because, you know, people felt like, damn, like at, at the time that, you know, it wasn't worth the time investment. Right. So I do feel that sometimes an ending can sour you. But if, if you put a gun in my head, I'm probably going to say I'd rather be wrapped in from the beginning and, and, and have a good start of engagement to, to, to GameSub's point. You know, to keep me in. That that's where I'm at now. But I'm I'm curious, man. Where do you stand on this? I am I think a little different. I, I and this may be because of the type of games I like. I like let's RPGs, go, go. so I understand mm-hmm. a little bit more of the not the slow burn, because I think mm-hmm. of course you want to have a strong start, strong finish. Yes. But I think there's a difference between a strong start and an intriguing start. So gotcha. you can have something like this may sound out of pocket, but you can have something <laughs> like Bioshock Infinite, which is, by all technicalities, a very strong start. Mm-hmm. But when you really break it down, if you go into their design concept, nothing happens for about an hour. You walk around. 
you just walk around for an hour, but it's all world building. And so it invests you on a different level. So by all technicality, this is a strong beginning, but I really don't right. think when they were designing it, they thought it was, I think they were just right. building the world. And, and mm -hmm. I, so I think personally the strong ending is, is good because I don't like when a game Let's is go. front loaded. Uh, mm -hmm. I think of mafia three as an example, a strong oh, one oh. where the first 10 hours mm -hmm. of mafia three are phenomenal, man. Mm. Love mafia three's first 10 hours. Mm. Not that it's bad afterwards. It just, you mm. settle into a rhythm, a routine. And to me, that can be more agonizing than, a game that just starts a little bit slow and it finds its legs okay. later on because sometimes I feel cheated when the game starts strong and, and it's, it's almost like they thought, well, let's capture them. Let's get them interested. So they can't leave. Like you've locked the door behind me now. And of course I could walk away, but <laughs> that's how I feel is, is I, I like, you know, of course characters, characters need their time to develop. And this is where the RPG standpoint comes in. Characters need let's their go. time to, to, transform and mm -hmm. what you don't like at first may end up being something you do like uh right. and that's kind of the beauty of the game is seeing it through so right. for me you you know I, and i also love the sort of cloak and dagger approach some some mm -hmm. some narratives take which is you see maybe this very standard character happy right. go lucky yeah. mm -hmm. and as you learn their truth you learn that backstory it's completely opposite of what was expected or there's a new angle there um, that's mm -hmm. only shown as you get closer to them and, and the story progresses. So I personally like the stronger ending because it leaves ah. a good taste in your mouth. Okay. Um, and I think that I've played enough games where, you know, it sort of stumbles out the gate and then you're like, man, what's going on here? And you're a little conflicted. But once you get to the deeper part, you realize that was all part of the experience. Uh, random mm -hmm. off the wall example. Few people who listen to this may know what I'm talking about, but I'm gonna throw it out there anyway. Mm -hmm. Is actually... Uh, Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon. Let's go. First, it's about a 30 hour game. First mm -hmm. 10 hours, that's Pokemon. You're going into dungeons <laughs> and stuff. You're just <laughs> fighting. Oh, uh, that's Maddie. That's 10 hours, bro. Yeah, I know. I give you credit, but continue. I know. And I'm not shortchanging <laughs> it because it's not bad, right? It's not bad, <laughs> but it's planting seeds all over. And so this thing's I'll happening. You're like, okay, something's happened here. Mm -hmm. Then it flips it on its hat. Now it's this serious, dark game. Like someone stepped in and said, what the f Change the shit. And just flipped it on its head. And after that, it's 20 hours of just like rip-roaring, plot twists, crazy shit's happening. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, this is a Pokemon game, man? What? And so yeah, by the way, not shortchanging that it's 10 hours, right? 10 hours is a whole game, right? I played Dead uh -huh. Space this past weekend. That was a nine-hour mm -hmm. thing. So you could beat a game in that span. So I understand mm -hmm. the value of time. But sometimes the slow burn, I think, can be well done. And, and, and it can also respect your time. Because if the overall product is like a 20-hour game and you take five hours to sort of plant the seeds and build your world, especially if you're new, then I don't know how else you can do it without rushing the player. And I think that's where gameplay solves things. If you make a fun game to play, then you can sort of digest the story however you please, as long as it's just a good game to play. Great question, though, GameSim. Yeah, fantastic question. Fantastic question. X7 Nomus is our next question. It says, hey, Mr. Matthew P, longtime PlayStation fan, loving what you're doing with Duke. Here's a question. What's the point of buying an Xbox? Seriously, if I'm going to be able to play Xbox Game Pass from my TV, iPad, iPhone, computer, or mini fridge, then why would I invest in a new console? P.S. I nearly bought the Series S like four times and just couldn't pull the trigger. So maybe you'll convince me to become a renegade and just do it. I've gone back and forth on this, Cog. I mean, we, Let's go. You know, I, Where you at? I, I feel like 
it's hard to recommend recommend the console purchase depending because it's just there's so many angles right it's like well if your internet's good then why make save yourself the the half a grand man Mm -hmm. i mean where do you Mm -hmm. where do you sit on this of course because i know streaming isn't ideal but it's a it's an option for sure i think it's like bro i I mean i see this question a lot and for me it's just like microsoft don't care where you play it <laughs> like that's the vibe i got they like yo if you're on pc we're happy to take your game pass money there yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. like if you're here you know if you're you know tv all that stuff where they're happy I, I really think their their model is structured that way and i think it's it's a struggle for the traditional gamer right because the traditional gamer feels i have to buy the console in order to be into invested into the ecosystem and i just feel it's just the way they're set up is different but um you know as far as you know shout out to exomus you know you talk about the you had to pull the trigger on the ass i just pulled the trigger on the ass just recently mm-hmm. and, you know i just got it for the bedroom and stuff like that love it man nice. i absolutely love it first of all it's so small it's much smaller than i thought it was and it's so compact and for a person that you know obviously the pandemic things are getting better as a person that intends to travel a lot you know that's something I can easily just throw in a backpack right. and then boom. And I, you know, I use that. And, um, you know, so for me, and it, you still have, again, if you want to jump in the ecosystem, right. But you don't want to fully commit. You just like a couple of Xbox. The S is attractive option. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's an inexpensive just to get your foot in the door. So I think ultimately it comes down to where you're going to consume the content because, you know, if you're a PC guy and you've got a nice rig, Stay where you're at. Get Game Pass. You know, shout out to my boy Vontis. He's in that mode. I mean, he did get it. He just got a, a series console, but but before that's how he was, you know, eat, uh, taking part of the uh, the ecosystem. So I think that I think though I will say the last point. The S is really going to be, I feel, the one that might get more people in who already have that primary console, whether it be, you know, PlayStation and, and Nintendo and stuff like that. And you can't get wrong with it. So that, that's where I'm at. Yeah. But, Microsoft don't care. Yeah, they, 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 they like wherever you want to buy it, it's fine by them. They go get of their game pass. But <laughs> I always tell people that I think just the best way to go is a, a, a PlayStation 5 and a Game Pass subscription of wherever you choose, whether that be PC or you find your way into a Series S. If money is tight and you can get the all access program where you're paying like 20 bucks a month until that. the payment's done, there's like no interest rate. I mean, mm-hmm. why not at that point get the console? It really just depends what opportunities present themselves where... I'm of the mindset that, yeah, man, like if, if, if you're not all in and you don't feel like you need a Series X, which does boast stronger right. qualities, then then go with the S and and see what it does. I know some people are concerned about the longevity of this console. I'm really not. I think it'll be yeah, fine yeah. for the most part. But, you know, you're, you're going to see some drawbacks for games made on Series X versus S. And I think it'll be, that spread may increase as time goes on. But it's a powerful mm-hmm. little system. It's cheaper. But yeah. for some people who maybe want to get in the, the PC space now, you may want to just consider building the PC and continuously upgrading that. Uh, eventually, you'll have bought multiple consoles. So if you're looking for something more price efficient, I would just say all access program one of the series consoles yeah, and get yourself a PS5 deal. and just call it a day. Yeah, It's probably the most efficient method for your wallet. Mm-hmm. Sean Mason writes in, Hey, Sexy Maddie, and hopefully new sexy co-host, which absolutely, man. My mm-hmm. mom asked me, my fiance, sister, and dad how to get into gaming. She wants to start. She hasn't played a non-mobile game since Tetris on the NES. Wow. We are perplexed. Any suggestions on where we should start her off best? Sean M. I'm going to, I want to cut you off because I've, I've answered these two questions right away. Let's go. But it just came to me. I was going to immediately go like, what do you think, man? But 
Tetris Effect is on Game Pass, Sean. Yes. It is on Game Pass, so you could give her an evolved version of the thing she played on NES and blow her mind. But I know oh. Dustin Dustin plays this game, he says, once a month. He's a big fan of Tetris Effect. He loves it. It's a great soundtrack. So maybe tell her to give that a look. But what do you think? I don't, I don't, I mean, haven't played since the NES. What is something that wow. you think is accessible? I got one. Or? I got one. I got one. And this is one that um, it's funny because I kind of get non-gamers to kind of just watch me play and see what's going on inside oh <laughs> yeah like you know how many people's like what is that what is going on with this little boy what mm. what is this world you know you got this whole dystopian thing you got the atmospheric storytelling and i've got people to purchase that game that are non-gamers and yeah. uh, just are so intrigued at what's going on. So it's a little, little dark, but it's simple enough with the button presses. And then what I like, it's um, it's very interactive. Like people are like, hey, tr try that. But what about if you move that, you know, switch mm -hmm. kind of thing? You get people to kind of talk through it as a as a game. So shout out to those guys. Those, uh, play, I think it's Play Dead, right? Yeah. They did um, inside because Limbo's a little harder. I felt, but I, I just felt something about inside every time I throw that game on, people just like flock around me and then i've had people pick it up mm -hmm. so that that's what it minds i would throw out the telltale games or yes yes you know there's like return of the Oberdin, like these kind Good of ones. walking uh, uh edith what remains of edith finch these kind of walking mm -hmm. simulators that tell a story life is strange yeah you know not, stuff that doesn't require precise reaction time yes and that may point. be funny because i was like oh tetris effect but <laughs> you know i think tetris is simple enough where maybe she would understand that but I would throw those out there as well, just to mm -hmm. simply roll them into it. Because my girlfriend, mm -hmm. she loves video games, but she and she grew up with consoles. But then she stopped playing for many years. And then when we started dating, I was like, "I'm rolling you back in. Like you got no option. You're stuck with me now. You think you think you can play no games in this house?" <laughs> and so, exactly. and so I, I laid it down. Yeah. So I bought her like a Switch. I, I helped her get nice. her PS4 and tried to set her up. And the first game I I I, I set up for her on her Switch was mm -hmm. Telltale Batman. Just to nice. get you, it sounds weird, but like familiarize them with the button presses. Where's Y? Where's X? Yep. That type of Good stuff. Point. I look at it this way, man, because Nintendo's just Nintendo, man. They put the X above the Y. Everything oh, else is there. Trust me nuts. Just like, man. Trust me nuts. It's reverse yeah. everything. I'm mm. like, all right, whatever. But, you know, if I'm, I'm thinking to myself, not to sound like I have an ego, but like if I'm messing mm. these up, then, you know, imagine someone new coming in. Maybe it's just what they're used to, but. Those Telltale games are good for familiarizing them with the controller, just kind of like how to, to function in a game. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly she put like 90 hours into Breath of the Wild once she knew what oh, she was right. doing. So, you know, it's wow. one of those no, things where uh, you, you want to roll them in, teach them the controller. Yeah, no, perfect point. And I think it's it's like you said, that that lessening that barrier with control, just because, again, it's not going to require these precise movements. Mm. It is just about, OK, this is X. This is what. Yeah, you're right. I, that, that's, that's probably the way to go. Yeah. Telltale. I think that's all of them are, are, are yeah. fair examples. I think I think inside I've never played it, but that sounds like a really good example. Oh, bro. We got to talk about that. You got to get that. I, what? Yeah, I know. I haven't played Limbo. I have a first defining Duke fight. You can't play it, bro. Yeah, I know. You gotta play that I one, know. bro. I know. It's it's really it's so criminally underrated. Really, yeah. try, check it out. I know. Like mm -hmm. the thing is, is I remember when Inside got announced. Everyone was like, "Go play Limbo now." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, definitely." It's like four hours long. Of course, that's the thing. My Achilles heel is when a game is too short because I always go, "Ah, oh, that's a weekend. We'll bang it out." <laughs> Weekends just roll by. I got weekends you. just roll I got you. by. So I got you.
All right. Got two questions left. John Garlett is next. Hello, Dukes. I recently became very sick and was bedridden, and none of my normal video games were giving me comfort. I finally had to bust out Dead or Alive 6, and for some reason, that didn't make me go all hazy within 15 minutes of playing. Do any of y'all have a comfort game for when you're feeling under the weather? I'm finally starting to feel better this week and looking forward to returning to normal. Hope you all have a great week and 4th of July. We hope you are continuing to feel well, John. And I, I should have said this at the top of the show, but we hope you're all staying cool out there. It's, it's quite oh, hot it's out. Hot. It's really hot out, man. I'm a, I'm a runner, so I haven't been able to do any of that. I've been feeling yeah, We talked about this funny run. enough when you were mm -hmm. on before with me, you, and Carrick. And I'm feeling stiff right now because I'm <laughs> sitting because it's way too hot. Way too hot to go on a run. But it's crazy. Uh, you have a game you go to when you're feeling under the weather? Because sometimes I don't game when I'm under the weather. I, I, I tend not to. I, it's funny you said, yeah, I'm the same way. I can't game when I'm sick. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. Like, I need to be, it's a combination of I have to be rested. You know, it's because I don't like playing tired. You know what I'm saying? And I definitely don't like playing sick. That's a tough one, man. Comfort game. I mean, I play Destiny so damn much. I guess that's my comfort <laughs> game. I play that game way too much. I just like the music and the gunplay so much. But um, that's a tough one, mm -hmm. man. I, I don't know if I have. A game that I play, you know, when I'm not feeling. What about you? Do you do you kind of get into that bag? No, or? that's the thing is, I, mm -hmm. I think of when I got COVID, I stopped playing yeah. games. When yeah. I had the flu real bad, I stopped playing games because just all my energy's gone, and you don't yeah. realize it till you sit down to play. But games demand your attention, they your focus, mm -hmm. and it, while it feels so naturally grabbed, it it's really not quite that it's it's yeah you you are actively doing it um yeah. just the games can be so compelling you don't realize it um and mm -hmm. until i'm under the weather it, it's always a reminder of that so for me i yeah. know when i'm feeling better when i can sit in the chair like when i had covid i couldn't play games and then just mm -hmm. one day i was playing batman vengeance on my ps2 because you know we were on vacation you nice. know there was i had no work for a couple of weeks so i was like all right mm -hmm. let's, let's fire up the ps2 i was playing that champions and norath mm -hmm. so i mean that felt good but if just because mm -hmm. I wasn't playing anything for a number of days, so I agree, I agree, man. Yeah. yeah, I mostly get in my movie bag during that time. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good yeah, idea, like, right? You know, so catch up on your series and stuff like that. But. That's what I did. Yeah, when I was after the second shot of the vaccine, I um, mm -hmm. I remember I grinded out Invincible. You know, like yeah. I I watched a good half of the season one night, and then I finished it the next day. Great show. Nice, nice, nice. Very rare happening for me too. Don't watch her really anything so yeah it's rare i used to be that way too mm -hmm. i gotta switch it up right like i gotta i gotta get yeah, on that. i gotta get yeah loki's out here. there's a lot of stuff i want to watch yeah. i haven't got a chance i watched yet, wandavision so. at least i got that right like okay you got one in all yeah. right well here's the thing right i'm a maniac so mm -hmm. quick story let's go i all right so is it, do you watch anime at all i uh, yeah used to be hardcore now king i'm trying to get me back there's a new one out Juby something. Jujutsu you know, Kaisen? Yeah, he's like, that's, you gotta watch that's that. So that's funny, the one. That's the one I was about to talk about. So, oh, okay. Great. I gotta watch yeah, it now. Great show. I'm not uh, crazy about the story, but the action's just, you, it's eye candy, man. It's it's so okay. silky smooth. You're like, how did someone do this? Yeah. I have been on the last episode for a month and a half now, probably two months, and I just haven't finished it. It's a 20 minute episode. I just, mm -hmm. I, I'm telling you, man, like anything that's like bite size, I'm like, ah, oh, we can get to it. <laughs> and I just like I just fire it off and I do other long term things because mm -hmm. I know I can wrap this up whatever. And mm -hmm. it's I think that's just I'm I've been built for RPGs because if any you're built for it. It's yeah. just, if anything is tight, I'm just like, mm, we'll get to it, man. I am so the opposite of yeah. you. That's so crazy. Like <laughs> I like see when you get older, like I like 
the shorter bite size. I'm like, okay, I could get that done in mm. seven to eight. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I feel like I'm, I could be productive because so, you know what happens to me? Like, I know you get it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's certain games that I love everything about being engrossed in the world, and I, I don't have no problem yeah, playing yeah. for Mad Out. There's certain games that's going to hit that note. We talk about Mass Effect, stuff like that. But I think what has happened, I get intimidated. Like, when mm. you see something like Valhalla, and I'm like, mm. yo, I don't know if I could commit yeah. to that, fam. That's a lot of commitment. Yeah, so yeah. it's funny how we're on the opposite spectrum. Right, that. absolutely. And, you know, that's the thing is it, it's interesting because I have all these responsibilities. I do like when I hear a game shorter because for me, I'm like, oh, more room for opportunity. But at the same time, just these, I think it's just I'm bad with shows. I'm bad with shows. Yeah. Real bad. So when you look at it like, it's going to be over too quick. I can get to it late. Like, what's your mentality with the shorter? I really genuinely think it's a idea of I can finish this when I want. Mm. I'll do it tonight. And then gotcha. I'll start writing for the game. And then I'll get wrapped up in that. I'm like, I can finish this tomorrow. <laughs> you finish yeah, okay, you know, it. It's like I'm already on a roll. I got you. You know, that's what happens. So it's essentially procrastination. But it's I like the you. confidence, too, of knowing this 20-minute Jujutsu Kaisen episode can be finished at my will. <laughs> when i desire so and then it yeah. don't get finished yeah and then it just doesn't get finished <laughs> so it's just you, sitting I there <laughs> I, I, i'm understanding the mentality yeah. i'm getting it i'm getting it. it's not good that's what that's what we know <laughs> we all got our clips bro that, i feel you bro ajb's our last question hey guys just recently got a series x after abandoning the xbox ecosystem when getting red rings on the 360 when i know it launched in a bad uh, bad state I've been really impressed with Halo Master Chief Collection and the package, particularly the game's cross-playlist and the stat keeping. What other game franchises would benefit from a living compilation like this? Gears seems like a logical series to me. Yeah. 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 That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. Yes, yes, yes. I want that bad. Mm -hmm. I want that bad. I want that um that part two because I, I got spoiled. What is it? The Gears one? Was it the ultimate connection? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and, and obviously we know that they've been... The room, you know, there's like a Kickstarter for like a Marcus Phoenix collection or whatever yeah. it is. They want that. I think games would benefit from it. Um, yeah, salute them because uh, with AJ, as far as um, getting back into the ecosystem, they've done a tremendous job with Master Chief Collection and turning that whole thing around. Yeah, besides Gears, I can't really think of any other ones as far as compilations. What, do you, what about you? Would you got any compilations you think about that could come back? And See, the thing is, is I would have hit on Rare right away and be like, oh, yeah, right. you know, that's that's an obvious one, but they did Rare Replay. I feel like they're... I feel like Gears is is not only logical, but, you know, the game has to have an online component and it has to be a series as well. Because uh, you could throw out a number of game franchises that Xbox has had. Like, oh, Fable. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see like a Fable Legendary Edition of one, two, and three. That'd be awesome. But oh yeah, you know I don't I don't know if when because he, he said living compilation where you know that to me says more along the lines of what Master Chief Collection is doing. Like here's new armor, yes. here's new season, all that good stuff, uh, which I love to see. Personally, for me, I don't think we could really throw another answer out there aside from Gears. I think that's really just the best fit ultimately. Yeah, I agree completely. So that'll be our last question for episode 26. Cog, I think the future is very bright, my friend. That was an excellent Feeling episode. It, that was awesome. So I'm Feel looking forward down. to many more. As always, we like to do a hashtag at the end of uh, our episodes to, to make sure to check in who's listening this deep. And I love seeing the sea of comments. Usually I like to tap into a, to a you know subject that we touched on quite a bit and, and spin it in a Duke manner. So do you have... Any, it could be off the wall, man. Very low maintenance, like hashtag. 
Let's go. You got one? Hashtag. Any hashtag? You know, just like game and chill, bro. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm simple, man. I'm, I'm a simple man. Like, I mean. A simple DD? Si- yeah, simple DD. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we Let's do. do that. There we go. Hashtag simple DD. Let us know you got this deep. Be sure to follow Cog, our new co-host, on his Twitter account. Other than that, stay tuned for, if you're a patron, uh, we have a Get to Know Cog episode that'll go live pretty shortly after uh, the, this patron episode goes live, too. So um, keep an eye out for that. And if you're not a patron, sign up, get to know Cog a little bit more, and we'll be back next week for episode 27 with whatever the hell happens in the Xbox ecosystem. Um, with that, Cog, any closing thoughts, or shall we wrap this up entirely? Man, absolute pleasure in the realm of the Dukes. This is this is a beautiful day, my man. Yeah. Lord, man, I can still call you a lord. Absolutely, <laughs> dude, I love it. It gasses yes. me up, man. I love it. No doubt, man. Nah, this is a lot of fun, man. Great community questions. Love mm-hmm. what we, you know, everything everyone brought to the table, and great week of topics, man. I'm looking forward to the ride. Let's do this thing. Absolutely, man. a lot of fun. Let's have some fun for sure. And we're going to. Mm-hmm. So thank you all so much once again for your patience, for your understanding, for your love, your support. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You're excited for the future, and we'll catch you all next week with episode 27 of Defining Duke. And until then, stay cool, take good care of yourselves, and we'll talk to you then. Peace out. Peace. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from the good old USA. The show was conceived by Matthew Mr. Matty Plays Schroeder and me, Colin Moriarty, and is written and produced by Matthew Schroeder. Defining Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. Andrew Morgan, Gregory Slavinsky, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenko, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLDFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, George Gazi, Christian Rodriguez, Jod Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Brian Hernandez Espinoza, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Jordan Andow, Maverick Mazel, Chris Kelly, Andrew Meister, Evaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Robert Toe, Josh Hallen Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Evan Barr, Tal- Randall Halsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, Jimmy Dean Man, William Holbert, Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Call Like Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H. Trons, Caleb Sittler, and Unofficial Controller Podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Jeff Mercado, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Gavin Newland, Lockmort, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnams, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler 526, Ben B, TB Lightning, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Chris Buston, Zach Allum, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter86, Steve Hodge, Hofeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coates, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travis Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, 
Javier, Carlos Algarit, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Donnie Nolan, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Matthew Cooper, Dan Parsons, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andracek, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lou and Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, William, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Binkley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zuniga, Sean Battershall, Max Lazos, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Kyle Thomas, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Matt Hazelbaker, Todd Paxton, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming.